The Coco Nation Show is an unscripted, live, and interactive broadcast. Anything can and will happen. The views and opinions expressed by members of the panel and the live audience are their own, and not necessarily those of the Coco Nation Show, its sponsors, affiliates, or subsidiaries. Open minds are encouraged, and a sense of humor is recommended. Thank you for being a part of the Coco Nation. Radio Shack. Okay. What? The 80s called. Welcome to the Coco Nation. The world's first live and interactive talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer and its hardware cousins. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Coco Nation Show, episode 343. And if you're on Facebook, please wave. Let us know it's out there. Howdy, so, howdy. How's everybody doing today? Yay! Wink. It's uh, Coco Christmas season. Well, that's true. Uh, in fact, a uh, uh, programming note, uh, next weekend we are taking holiday, so we will not be broadcasting a show. We are still doing the Game on Challenge, though, I believe, on no. Thursday? Or is that off too? I think that's off as well. Is that right, Ken? I don't know, Ken Sloopy, Sloopy, is that off? <laughs> I was going to ask you about that, Sloopy. <laughs> Are we doing no. the live Game on Challenge this week? Where is Sloopy? Let's see here. I'm right here. He's oh, hanging on. There you are. Or shall we just uh, uh, skip into the There you are, week? right next to me. That's a 21st. Uh, you think mm -hmm. we should have it? Or we could just, because the games are carrying over for the extra week, so... We can take that week off and uh, just have the week for the two games that are going to be going as of today, next week. Next week yeah. is fast. You, you could do that, or you could have it as the, this is the one thing that will be that week for Coco Nation, that one show. So, um, you guys. <laughs> all right, well, no have pressure. I we do this. Um, Go and see if anyone's there. Yeah. We, um, <laughs> this week, we uh, will not have it, but the following week, we will have it, but it will be more of a open games night. Anything on the Coco you can play. Who scripts it? Twenty eight. That already. Refact. <laughs> yeah, on the twenty eighth. We'll just do, drink. Just come and play. It doesn't matter what game. You don't have to play the game on. We don't even. We won't even recommend it. We'll recommend you play any game on the uh, Coco. Ooh, I'm gonna play a text adventure because that makes for good. TV, <laughs> video. Yes. Just, just remember, Mike's coming on. I think. Well, I would be on the Saturday show, I guess. But he, he might come back on yeah. to the challenge. So make yeah, sure we let on. him know. I'm sure some people will play the, the that game too. Dallas yeah. Quest, Ken. So what it really is going to be is people showing off what they got for Christmas. Right. My yeah. two front teeth makes sense. I thought I thought oh, you could do it. It's going to be David Quest Pepper Adventure. Okay. Somebody's so, got to make that game, the David Ladd Die Dr. Pepper Adventure. Yeah. <laughs> you could just rescreen a, uh, a Pac Man game. So, no. just 
the so just to sum summarize uh predator no on the 21st yes on the 28th yes yes yeah okay yeah. Well, if you want to drop by in myself. discord and play games together on the yeah. 21st then feel free yes. to because we just won't be broadcasting well if there's enough people there then i guess we'll just do an impromptu mm -hmm. show Someone right. might sneak in and just throw the switch on, and so be careful if you're there and think you're alone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm 26, um, I'll be there, and whoever's there, if there's more than like one or two people there, then we'll throw the switch and push the button and uh, send it out. And, so there's no official game. And see what sticks to the wall. Yeah, it's kind of in that gray area where it's close enough to Christmas holidays. Some people <laughs> might have already left to go visit family and stuff, and... So we have no idea how many people are going to be there. So we'll play it by ear. Okay. Well, right, now so it gives us a break since we do no this planning week. whatsoever. So now let's, let's go ahead and continue with the start of the show. <laughs> uh, who is and is not planning? Go ahead, Mark B. Since now we just did our pre-show stuff. <laughs> uh, let's see. In the upper left-hand corner, we got Marco. Hey, glad to be here. And next over, oh, there's where Sloopy is. Greetings, hiding up there. <laughs> and next box over is yours truly, the button pusher. And then we got Rondelvo. Hello, everybody. I'm trying to get the uh, Flex um, Facebook uh, group removed so that I could own it. <laughs> okay. Just, he missed just one. Kidding. Just kidding. So that you can what? Own it. He, he owns every other own, Coco you know, group pretty well, so you know how did that one slip through his fingers? I guess. <laughs> okay. So, uh, okay. Uh, let's see. Next row, we got Ken Waters. Oh, hi. I'm going to call him and, Festive Ken from now on. And then we got Rick Uland. Ignoring all the obvious jokes. Hi, folks. <laughs> all right. Oh. Next over, we got uh, Henry <laughs> Gerhard. Hi, folks. Welcome to the Coco Nation. Oh, we hire him for promos for this show. Thanks in the mail, Henry. Or coffee or something. Good morning, everybody. I'm sorry. Only David Ladd is allowed to have that much energy. Oh, we've got a monster drink. Good. Okay, Bob Emery, you're up next. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Coco Nation. Next row, we got L. Curtis Boyle. Welcome to the show, everyone. Okay, and then we got Ken Ho Kevin Holloway. Hello, everybody. Hey. And next over, we have David Ladd. Cover yours. Hello, everyone, and welcome <laughs> to the show. I you hope heard you. you're ready for this eventful show. We're waiting for all the fun stuff to happen, and I've got my 64 ounce Bucky's cup filled with diet Dr. Pepper. I'm all ready. Well, rumor has it you're the one who made off with that 10 grand worth of syrup. Or was that 100 grand worth of syrup? It was 100, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, okay, next over we got Alan. Hey, Dave, I need to know how much of the rum ended up in the Bucky's cup. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Can you add some more? <laughs> Are you sure you want that to happen? Yes. Water with rum? Live and on the stream. Oh, yeah. And when How, see, buddy. See, 
Coco you gotta be careful with that because then he'll wind up singing he's got a lovely bunch of coconuts and here mm. we are standing in a oh, row it's worse than that right. oh. we've got a big hook we need we still need to have that david ladd new year's special yeah he'll, he'll be singing a, a, a lovely bunch of uh disc drives is what he'll be singing so hi bottom row we have nick Morentes. good day everyone and uh apologies in advance for anyone watching we've already gone off the rails <laughs> did you already watch the show since you're in tomorrow yeah uh it's it, it's a it's a bad show yeah it's a train wreck oh, okay. darn. thanks and last but not least jason why hello everyone and uh just a reminder a week from today is festivus so get your aluminum poles out and uh don't decorate them Beats that's why we don't have a show next week it's festivus yes and exactly. we don't we, we don't want to have airing of the grievances or yes we do strength. <laughs> well we can air them on discord then where's okay. a, a cat when you need one Ooh. i want to point something out if i could uh mark can you highlight uh ken okay <laughs> he smiles <laughs> that was a good nervous smile there kid. yeah <laughs> right? love that hat i yeah. love that shirt and it goes well with that toke right right yeah, David Crager says, nice talk. I just want to make sure everyone sees it because it looks just lovely. You accessorize well. <laughs> I'm sorry I complained about the pleasant green of last yeah. week. I apologize. So, so I'm just kind of wondering, are you missing a cat now, or is that a uh, <laughs> from outside? <laughs> from a cat. <laughs> yeah, is that real fur on your uh, on your on your uh, toque? It's uh yeah, it's um genuine Saskatchewan seal skin. <laughs> oh, are you sure it's not it's just like Super Dave? <laughs> it's it's fine it's not fine Corinthian leather then. <laughs> Near the yellow snow. Oh <laughs> boy, we are off the oh, rails already, lemon. aren't we? Yeah. Yes, yeah, this is going terrific. <laughs> I think oh, everybody God. dipped into the Christmas run a little early here. I, I, someone uh, so I think, someone has gotten into the special eggnog already. <laughs> someone oh. brought up of the North. Mark B, quick, take control. All right. <laughs> Too late. Project updates. Rick, you're up. Oh, okay. Well, I actually, something works. So let's see. Can I hit the right button? That's the button. Where's Can Rick's hat? Mark? There's the button. Uh, hang on. Too many buttons at once here. There we go. So the Cocoyo thing I've been working on with the boot ROM, or boot EEPROM, -E -E you'll note a remarkable absence of bodge wires, and it's working. So uh, this is my project update is it's done. You Where's my mouse interface? Is it a project from it. Well, that comes next. Wires? I had to get this one going first, but you'll okay. notice a little bit of space up here in the corner where I could scoop this over, and then we got some blank area. All right. So uh, we need to talk about how to fit that in there. But uh, so anyway. Your backup um, real-time clock chip just in case the net goes down? No, you're just going to have to. If the net's down, you can't do anything. How can you operate without a network? Because so I, I could still run locally with the real-time clock. <laughs> well, the Coco Siegel games are going to go online only. <laughs> yeah, Mark Siegel and Pedro Pena have a real-time clock that would be compatible with this. We're good. 
A lot of people do. And in fact, the whole reason for this uh, read-write jumper here is because if you have a smartwatch or something and you're running it, it could write to the ROM area. So you have to switch to read-only if you're doing something here and it's important to you and you're also running OS 9 in a smartwatch. So there's, there's, we've, I think we've added a read only switch. Yes. So that's, that's pretty much necessary because of these exceptions that we found um, the last couple of whatevers. So yeah, you put it in right and you don't run OS nine with your smartwatch until you put it back in read only again. And, then you can boot from it. Uh, I'm sure, well, there's no software yet, but I'm sure it's coming quickly. And in fact, 3D yeah. printer is making cases as we speak because that's the slowest part of the process. So you just need to call it a right protect switch. Well, yeah, basically. It's right in. Yeah. Well, we have read only and read write because a lot of the time you can just run in read write mode all the time, except so, for a few special mm-hmm. exceptions. So you're saying that jumpers, it, it, that, that whole unit there is, that's what it's all about. Oh, what's up? What it's about. And if the if the first two ASCII characters in your ROM are DK, then it will be loaded as a disk extension. Oh, I and thought it might load Donkey Kong. And, well, I don't know why, but DK does not mean Donkey Kong. It means disk. <laughs> <laughs> and it's plopped a, on. Yeah. So this is a Cocoa. Yeah, yeah, your Coco IOR this time because it oh. has RAM or ROM or whatever you want to call that revision. Um, so this this will be the uh, the original one will always be the cheapest one. This one will be I'll probably sell it without the socket and EEPROM as a cheaper version. But anyway, um, another step. And then from here, it's going to get more complicated. I'll probably put it in a bank switch and you know four and the the ps2 interface and that will be a step up but i think this the cheap one is done now it can have Don't a forget blinking light they blink there's two blinking lights on the uh on the socket here you get a carrier light and an activity light perfect so what you're <laughs> so what you're saying rick is this part is done and now you have to work on the feature creep yeah why? feature creep edition comes up next why have two when you can have four well, right. You can. Well, you can. You can at least have two. Here's the address jumper, so you can have the one at six eight and one at seven eight. So, so Rick, um, it still needs a real time clock, and I'll tell you why. So okay. that the Coco can become the NTP server. Oh Jesus! Oh, there you go. Well, you don't I, run a local uh, clock then. You still you need to connect. <laughs> nope, that's it. You need a twenty four channel GPS receiver. So we can get the time off the GPS. Yeah. And, you know, well, and then we're going to need for you to give us your time, your and um, here's latency, the, so we can do the correction. And here's oh. the icing. <laughs> it needs to be the standard Motorola-made real-time clock chip that became oh. used for the PC standard time in the CMOS and stuff. So we need a Motorola RTC with the 24-chip <laughs> GPS receiver with – oh, yeah, anyway. Stop. <laughs> I'm going to need a bigger <laughs> gal. <laughs> and you run it on a uh, Coco One so that you can so you can name the machine Father Time. I like it. I like it. What about putting a USB uh, on there? Like you can buy these little USB to serial tiny boards. Having that on there so you can use either a USB mouse or 
Well, like I said, we're, we're kind of coming into the feature creep zone, so that's uh, why coming I, mean, into so it, well. I think we've <laughs> landed and like gone to the gone to the hangar. We're in the, you we're in the feature creep zone. So if, if you have financing, you could make it so that um, you'd have to get a fob to make this work, right? My, my financing is someone buy one of these. So um. <laughs> as a fob, does it have a remote, remote starter? Right, right. Oh. Remote start cocoa. That's genius. But we have the majority of what's needed for a PS2 interface, and I think the board space to do it. So that's probably an obvious thing to look at. Then we've got down the road, if you sell a bunch of these, you're going to use gold contacts in the future. I don't know. It's, oh, he's going to keep the gold, I'm, I'm, Ron. Not on our budget. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. The idea is to make them cheap and sellable. And if it only works for 10 years at this point, that's probably. So you give you a complimentary mm -hmm. eraser with it so you can clean the pins off. Yeah, there you go. And you just clean it with your pink uh, pink gummy thing. And it's good that's for a little upsell. The cleaning I thought kit. you used the white side for that. Or <laughs> the other alternative right. was B is coat those contacts and deox it. Then you will yeah, be fine. It. Well, and. and Right, it's it's solder. You can fix solder. Put WD forty on it, and they won't corrode. Because it's all it's all hobbyists now. No one is buying this as a consumer product. So, do you have any bodge ones left? Excuse me. Do you have any bodge ones left? Well, the 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 prototype. Why well, send it? I have one that works now, um, without any issues. I mean, you should see it. It's nasty. I've got. I've got worse picking up vertically off of the gimme so that they don't short to each other. And if you squashed it, they would all squash flat and it would destroy it. So you need a special edition bodge wire edition. Yeah, the bodge wire edition. I could ship yeah, I could I could like um conformally coat the bottom so that they all work and sell them as curiosities for extra money. <laughs> <laughs> or you could sell it yeah, as a kit and just include all the wires and let them do it in themselves. <laughs> Oh yeah, I've got some bare boards. I'll give you one. You can figure out how to fix it. It'll be the uh, the <laughs> ultimate challenge. <laughs> okay, uh, let's see. Uh, Coconut Bob, who has stepped away from his computer. <laughs> <laughs> Move right along. This show is just going so smoothly. Right, right. <clears throat> Right. I, I do have one quick update myself. I have just started work this past week on starting to amalgamate all of the things I want to put into EOU 1.0.1. So yeah. I just started in the 6.09 version. So I'm going through testing and stuff. I've got to incorporate stuff that Fred did and a few others over the last few months. So uh, I'm not, I don't have a firm date on it getting released, but I hope to have it out by the end of the year, early January. I'm going to predict 2027. That'll be 1.1, so, 1. 1, not 1.0.1. 1. So you're 1. calling it EOU <laughs> what version? 1.0.1. It's mostly bug fixes, uh, a few more optimizations, and a few more software installs. And a lot more documentation. Yeah, and some more documentation. I wouldn't go to Not a good. lot yet. The, the parts of the manual we're on right now are huge. Bob is back. Hi, Bob. Bob. Hello. You missed your cue. All right. What about yeah. Bob? <laughs> You'll have to come back easy. next week. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, you lose a turn. Right. So I just spent a few minutes soldering on the Kimmy uh, board here just to replace this busted capacitor that was higher, higher, higher. Hang on. There Actually, let me switch cameras. 
up and yep, whoop, 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 whoop. So, whoop, whoa. No. There's your hand. One Piece little surface mount capacitor there. So how did but, you find uh, out that that was it? Well, this wasn't actually damaged beyond function. The capacitor still worked. I just finally bought one and replaced it, which I almost lost because I dropped it on the floor here. <laughs> well, do you have a 70 shag? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's actually a wood floor, but somehow stuff Yeah, you can still you can lose surface of wood, right? Oh, yeah. So Bob, for what you're showing here, which which camera do you need? Because this one is really blurry at the moment. Yeah, this one's not working. It's because yeah. it's, yeah. so, it's focused on the whatever table he's got over there. Mm-hmm. Right. There you go. Right. Well, this like segment brought to you in focus. blurry vision. And then actually, this is not even what I wanted to show right now. The Kimi X machine. Mm. Yeah, it's I'll still move blurry. Out of the way. Oh, oh, wait, there, there it goes. There it goes. Now you move what it's try. focusing on, so it'll get confused again. So, Bob, if you have <laughs> a few of these cocos, do you write on the back of them which, what you've done to them to keep your, in your mind which one's which? Uh, sort of. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I guess you can see this one. I got the, the next Ooh, Athena. Athena board from That's Rocky Hill. And, and parts. I'm, yeah, this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build it into this case, I'm pretty sure. No. Nope. Cool. <laughs> So what has That's changed on this version of the board idea. from the previous one you did, Bob? So this board, he has uh, basically went through basically trace by trace and tried to match it to how Tandy's board is uh, oh, okay. routed. So Is that for timing that or just to be, you know, I, you representative know, of the sure. original Tandy design? Right. I'm actually, I'm, I'm kind of thinking that the timing might be a factor as to why the white board doesn't work with the Guinea X. Gotcha. Oh, okay. Right. Because all yeah, all those little traces count, even though we yeah. pretend like they don't at two megahertz, they do make a difference. Yeah, right. So it adds up. I don't know. I'm thinking before I do a whole bunch on that one, I might build this up and see if it works on this board. Sweet. Yeah, because if it does, I would prove you that you're right that the the trace right, thing you a little bit the different before timing and wise. After. Mm-hmm. And then if you notice on this board, the one thing that I got my little five cent feature creep in there he's uh left this little bare patch of uh solder masks so that it'll be easier for me to solder an hdmi header onto this board <laughs> basically the, the nothing Joker, really changed. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. a free free feature creep is the best right <laughs> exactly yeah i wonder if the people over at J, uh um jbl uh J, J, yeah JLB, yeah, JLB, PCB. They look at this stuff and say, "What in the world are they doing? What are these crazy <laughs> fools up to?" <laughs> right? I got one other thing here that this—I don't know if you guys have seen the Daiquiri board before, but that's the replacement for the DAC chip that Rocky built. And uh, I had this one on the white Athena board, and we were doing some testing on calibrating the joysticks, and I fried the. LM three ninety three comparator. Did it I actually smoke or was it, it just uh, uneventful? No, it just quit working. Like everything was just reading zeros. All joystick pots. It's amazing you can find out which one you did. You know you had error. error you know. Yeah. Well, the just kind of tracing the signal through the board. It looked like the uh, that LM three ninety three was bad. 
and it is a surface mount, super tiny surface mount chip, but it's small enough that it's not really much harder than replacing a surface mount capacitor. Just kind of be careful with the uh, traces shorting out. <clears throat> Got another LED board put together. Got a few of these now. I'm going to actually start putting some kits together and sending out to a few people. And then, uh, oh yeah, I was still, now that I've repaired this, I need to put it in my board and actually see if it works again. So I think for the rest of the show, I'm actually going to start soldering the sockets onto this. So for now, you guys can carry on with the show without me. I'll be listening, of course. So, okay. So you got at least four hours. We're going to time you. Got to show us at the end. Okay. <laughs> so why wouldn't you want to make it just like the original and have no sockets except for the CPU and whatever else is? Uh, some of the chips I might, you know, consider that. But uh, generally, mm -hmm. obviously the RAM chips, you'd want those in sockets. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. You know, no real it's, reason it's not one to, of those right? things. The, the first time you build one, you want sockets, and then after you get more confident, then you can go without sockets, maybe. Uh, I mean, getting back I mean, to the I'll, timing, if every single pin grows by a millimeter, that doesn't change anything. Right. So, sock it away, right? And then the rare chips, well, you can change them and not endanger them. <laughs> well, you know, that's kind of how Tandy did it. The earlier machines were all socketed, and as time went along, get less and less sockets in them. Uh, well, right, and then they had to they had to sell it for one hundred fifty nine dollars too. So you know, sockets are expensive. <laughs> get rid of twenty sockets, hey. Uh, that brings us back to how did why did Tandy do that? We we already know why. So you would buy it from them, right? <laughs> it was cheaper. That was a higher profit margin. Yeah. But sockets are great because then if you need to repair it, you just pull the chip and put a new one in. If you solder it in, then you got to go through all the work. See, of Tandy had to cover both ways because if you did need to resocket a chip that was soldered in the board, where are you going to go get your socket? Oh, yeah. Got to yeah. get it from Tandy. And you course. get a bigger markup on the socket the directly sockets. there. So they make more money off that. So One a piece instead of 20 at a time. Not to, Good point. not to mention the fact that they have that little sticker on the bottom of it that effectively says no user, no user serviceable parts inside, i.e. you void your warranty. Yeah, they just want you to get rid of it and get a Tandy 1000 and stuff. Uh, yeah, you mean well, I avoided my warranty. Days, so that didn't last much anyway. So. Is he planning on doing a uh, in, a new Coco 3 motherboard with extras? Um, I don't want to steal any of his thunder, but I understand he is working on one with the uh, surface mount components and stuff. Excellent. That would be uh, logical. The whole point is to make something out of modern parts, you know. Right. Right, like they did in the Dragon where, hey. Yeah, yeah we'll have an update on the Dragon, like some of the stuff he's been adding to that board. He's still got a ton of room left over to fit the original case. So we'll cover that yes. in the news. Flipping huge. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye on you and check in with you every now and then. All righty. Uh, if you see a bright flash of light or something coming from there, Mark, make sure right you bring it up right away. Yeah, we got before the feed goes down, we need to see the flames. <laughs> see any hair fire. Okay. Uh, let's see. Brian hasn't uh, arrived yet, so how about uh, 
You want to do commercial break and then game on results? Sure. Did you get that new commercial thingy? I haven't seen the new commercial. I know Mark Overholzer was looking into whether it actually came through, but I didn't know if it did or not. So maybe we'll save that for the next show. I okay. I don't think it got directed to any of my emails, so I'm not sure where it went. So yeah, yeah CGB Chris sent something up so through the form okay. submissions. So we probably need to send him the link to for the upload folder. That'd probably be a good idea. Yeah, there's uh there should be a link in the passwords file. I That's think. just what they'll be expecting us to do. I actually think it's uh, yeah, I think I know where to find it. Okay. If we can if we can message that over to Mark and we'll get it ready for next time. All right. Uh, Either Mark. <laughs> yep. Okay. So over here, press this button and then this one. Hey, Amy. Hey, Taylor. We're watching the Coco Nation show. Yeah, we are. Woo! You should too. It's your good buddy, your good pal, Amigo, and joined by that dastardly The Brent from ARG Presents. You're watching Coco Nation. I feel like that should have been longer. The Coco Nation Show would like to thank the following patrons. Alex Gare, Brendan Donahue, Brian Walsh, Brian Weasler, Kieran Anscombe, Coconut Bob, Daddy Burrito, Diego BF109, Don Barber, Eric Canales, Glenn Hewlett, Graham Wapke, Grant Leedy, Henry Strickland, Justin Larson, Ken Reichard, Kevin Holloway, Patrick Euland, Paul Fiscarelli, Paul Shoemaker, R. Allen Murphy, Retro Tech Time, Rob Inman, Rocky Hill, Steve Batson, Terry Stege, TJB Chris, Tom C, Tom Gunderson, Tom S, and William Athing. Thank you so much, patrons. Welcome to everybody's favorite segment Who's New to Discord? Cam says, Hi, I am from Belgium. Coco owner since 1979, hobbyist electronics, owner of DEO1 board and CC3512K SDC. First name is Camillus. Windows says, hello. Literally my first time ever using Discord. Mike S here. I've gone by window in online circles since around 1995, so I figured I'd go with that as a handle. As evidenced from yesterday's interview, I'm really out of the loop on Coco stuff and stay busy in general. But since my Monster Mash is the game on Challenge Game this time, I'm here to see what happens. Oh, and I found out about it from yesterday's interview. The previous bios were edited for time. Thanks to, Boysen, Glenside Computer Club, Paul Fiscarelli, Tandy Color Computer 3, and the Coco Nation patrons for boosting the server.
please consider joining Discord and visiting the welcome section to read these bios in full and see what the community has to offer. Just go to discord.thecoconation.com. See you on Discord! Welcome everybody to the Coco Nation Game On Challenge of the Week results video. This week we played Hyperzone. We had a total of 13 participants. His we lips had are Mr. Dave 6309 with 1950, Mark B with 3850, Mark O with 5700, L. Curtis Boyle overdubbed. with 6760, <laughs> Buck Owens 7720, Tom C, 13,070. Henry the Third, 15,510. Jim Rye, 15,620. Shenley, 20,840. Ed Rhodes, 26,940. Canadian Retro Things, 38,460. Nerf Herder, 53,320. And this week's number one score is... Tasman with 64,700. Thanks everybody that played, and we'll see you again after Christmas. And here comes the Tasman! <laughs> Is that That's Tasman's official? official uh... <laughs> He's got a bumper now. <laughs> oh, by the way, Franklin Harris just mentioned that uh, he, they were hearing us on the hot mic that whole time. <laughs> Sweet. That's why I wasn't talking. <laughs> oh yeah, we were staring at your face, but they were seeing the video, but our mic, because Mark has two buttons twisted together. So. I don't know. That shouldn't have worked. That shouldn't have happened. I'll have to look at that later. Your wires, <laughs> wires are twisted. Burst world problems. See, Frank, you shouldn't have mentioned that. Then we would have been doing it the whole show. <laughs> right? Now we're all going to be quiet. Might have really heard what goes on behind the scenes. You might have really heard something. <laughs> Christmas special behind the scenes edition. Exile <laughs> says there are too many little checkboxes in OBS. Yeah, that there are. And then you add them to add the ones in Zoom too. So this is where a little program called Auto Hotkey comes in. All right. Well, shall we talk about our game? Um, there's a couple of. Uh of uh, reviews from magazines. Um, this one is from Color Computer uh, from, Magazine. Yeah, Magazine from January of 84. And basically they talk about um, Ooh, they really house. like the perspective of the game. <clears throat> the, the pers this is on the side here. It's Hyperzone and these two columns. We're not looking at Outhouse. We did that one a little while ago. I missed it. So they really like the um, illusion of uh, looking out into space. Um, thought that the game was innovative, but it needed some work. The motion was jerky and slow. Steering was uncertain, slow, and not sweeping enough. And uh, your ship is blast blasted by a bomb you can't see quite often. And the sudden changes of the background colors and foreground colors was very unnerving. unnerving. The color combinations often made it very hard to see clearly on the screen. 
Um, there were energy pods that appeared at random, uh, but it was hard to tell if you hit them. I don't think I ever actually did hit them. I couldn't figure out how to do it. And many times they talked, they said that uh, many times there was no response hitting the keys to turn the shields on and off. And I did find out through my own playing that if you were firing with the joystick, you couldn't turn the shields on and off. You had to stop firing for about one or two seconds or maybe one second before you could turn your shields on or off. I think that's because the PIA is sharing the same row. Nick, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Same row with the joystick button as the space bar is on. Yes, yeah. it is. So it, he it, should have picked a different key. Yeah, you had to stop firing to turn the. So yeah. Um, they thought it would be nice to have a speed setting that controlled the speed of the enemy and the ship and and your ship. Um, it was a the game was a step in a fantastic direction, but needed work. And the problem that uh, another problem was that you had to sit through the uh, title screen every time. They could have added a menu to uh, skip that. With some refinements, they thought uh, to the motion routines that this game would rival some of the best perspective space games. And interesting enough, Computerware did actually respond to their uh, thing saying that they didn't have any bugs in the game and there was no problems. They were all features. So, Nick, did you <laughs> used to work for Computerware? <laughs> <laughs> they copycats. Right. <laughs> Everything that they complained about in there as uh, being strange or problems with the game were features that made the game more difficult. And were yeah. put in there. Well, then that first it. sentence there, Ken, where it says computer where it says that the screen color changes indicate time zone changes. There's no time zones in space. What the heck are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm thinking Nick maybe worked for computerware. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that one was the computer um, color computer magazine, and then in Rainbow from March of '84, um, they had a little bit of a shorter review, but uh, on the positive side, they thought that uh, the graphics were well done, but on the negative side, there was a lot more things. <laughs> um, they thought if they if this game had come out two years before it did, then it would have been an impressive game, but it wasn't keeping up with the time. The action could have been faster. You got bored rather quickly because except for changes in the background color, there's no variety in the gameplay. Um, something else that they found annoying was the redisplay of the entire title routine every time the game ended. Um, they thought that Hyperzone had excellent graphics, but the play does not offer enough to hold one's interest for very long. This game has already been done and done better in Project Nebula. I would agree. So both of those uh, reviews basically said that uh, yeah, there was a the possibility of a good game there, but it uh, yeah, it didn't work. <laughs> Nick's one word review. It's <laughs> <laughs> Don't sugarcoat it, Nick. <laughs> All right. So uh, does anybody have any tips or tricks on that game? Play Project Nebula. <laughs> <laughs> Good tip. Have we ever played that? We have on not. Don't worry. It's, uh, it's actually on my list. Yeah. Make sure you do an advanced commander, star commander level for that one. 
none of the Swissy stuff. Okay. I will consult you before I uh, do the game. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, it didn't, it did get a little boring after a while, but uh, it did have the, I guess, the nugget of a good game in there. But uh, yeah, definitely could have. Uh, yeah, like the shield effect and... was pretty cool. Um, the 3D Although, perspective, actually, even on the I demo didn't... screen, was good, but. I didn't point it out, but they actually the some of the people did not like the uh, shield effect. They said that it was distracting and you couldn't see what was going on behind it, which I thought was just kind of a. That's not a very good uh, complaint. It's I because I I personally didn't find any problem with the shield. Effect. I'd have one review for that statement. Squirrel, you should be <laughs> able to pay attention to both at once. Yeah. Mm. You can interpolate position anyway. I mean, you see them going in either direction. So if they go and get hidden, they, it's not like they stick around and get hidden by the shield and stay there unless you yeah. put them there. Yeah. The only thing I would mention is it, it seems to be that your shot's contacting, whether it's the energy thing that recharges your shields or if you're just trying to hit another ship, is that it seems to be color detection of where your bullets hit. So you'll see that like, the ship has a different colors and there's a little center part that's a particular color and that's what has to be hit. So if you just hit a wing, it just goes through it. And I and think if I remember actually, the energy thing does too. I also did notice that uh, you didn't have to hit the ships dead on to destroy Like uh, they sometimes when like, you know, you're shooting into the center, but sometimes you would uh, catch it. The ship would be to the side and it would just run into the bullets that were closer to you, I guess. Or Yeah. There was one tip that was mentioned in the chat, I think, which they said if you space your shots out with the on-off fire button and then you hold it down, it will keep them spaced out so you don't get a yeah. burst and then nothing because you're only allowed so many shots on the screen at once. Although the amount of shots you were allowed was pretty good mm. comparatively to some of these games where you're only allowed one shot. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I, I will defend, uh, I think it's Mike Lustig who thinks his first name. Uh, I will defend him a bit on this one just because it was one of his earliest ones because he... Published a couple of games for computer where a Grand Prix, which is Morocco Grand Prix, is another one I don't think we've done yet. Um, and then Moonhopper was another computer where that he did too. But then he started his own game company, Arcade Animation Inc., and came up with like a four games in one shot a little bit later. Those do play a bit better. They're still not like you know, you know, top tier, but they're they're better than this earlier attempt. Mm -hmm. Sackless. <laughs> You know, you should be a motivational speaker, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to know what Nick would be motivating people to do, but well, he, he just told you, suck less. <laughs> That's the entire meeting. <laughs> Man, a few words. <laughs> Move to Australia. It's like it. That's what standing on your head all the time does to you. <laughs> All right, so that was Hyperzone. And the other game that we played this week was Monster Mash. And you probably should mention a few things that were put into the Discord chat there for some people that uh, might have enticement to go join if they don't have it already. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, the um, Mike Snyder, the one that uh, made the game, did actually put some maps in there so you could actually see where everything is. And uh, as well as a else? whole bunch, a whole breakdown that we kind of covered a little bit last yeah. week. Of... He put in a bunch of tips and tricks to play the game. So, 
one of the things that I found interesting is that he put in, he uh, mentioned a little program in there where you can actually program your uh, computer to have the diagonals that are not in that game. Cause one of the most annoying things of the game is that you have to push up to jump and then to the side to move your guy over something. So it's kind of pixel perfect type jumping. Yeah, and the just, controls do take a while to get used to because he doesn't have diagonals yeah. in there, which is the more natural feel. But but once you get the hang of it, it's not bad. I have to agree with you, Ken, because originally when I started playing it, like my score was like zero, 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 four, zero, zero <laughs> type thing. But actually, I started to get a hang of it. And I started getting through screens. I didn't get up to where the gold bags are, but I did manage to actually like kill monsters and yeah, you know, get through like seven or eight screens in a row type thing. So it you you can get used to it. So you sucked less. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nick sucked more because he didn't even try. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so the object of that game is if uh, people have not played it yet, that you have to go through, find the gold bags. There's certain doors that you go through. Some of them are locked. You need certain amounts of uh, gold to get through those doors. Some are hidden. Some are hidden. So, uh, yeah, like his other games, he didn't make it easy. <laughs> yeah, it, I swear he was. He grew up in England. <laughs> so that game's a compiled basic one again, is it? It is. Yeah. And actually, we, it, it doesn't do too bad. I mean, the drawing of the tiles in the background when it's drawing the, the refresh screen is a little bit slow compared to what a pre-RML game. But the fact that it's actually doing, you know, uh, shapes sort of sprites, you know, over top the background without destroying the background like a straight basic game would have done. And at a fairly decent clip, it's actually pretty pretty decent. Yep. And what, what compiler did he use? Uh, he was trying to remember. I think he used, what's the one CircComp did? Was that CBASIC 3? CBASIC, yeah. Yeah, because Wasachaware's was ML Basic, I think they called theirs. I can't remember now off the top of my head. But I think it was CircComp's, Bill Vergonis. Yeah, he says in the chat that he thinks it was C Basic 3. And uh, the program that I mentioned that you can actually program it to actually work with diagonals is called Joy to Key. He put that in the uh, Game One Challenge oh, yeah. today. Mm. So you can actually program it in to work with the diagonals so that you maybe won't die quite as much jumping over stuff. <laughs> and there is a Joy to Key for Linux as well. Yeah, the sad thing is, as, as he mentioned in his interview, like his brother kind of sold off or gave away all of his stuff while he was away in college. And uh, if he'd still had the source code, he could probably go in and you know fairly quickly fix some of these um, flaws with his games here. But uh, try to decompile a compiled basic program probably would not be fun. Are you sure that he hasn't really got it there, but he's just heard about how much we put feature creep into stuff and he's saying, no, I don't have the source code. Sorry. <laughs> I got new releases. I got new releases ah. you don't know about. I'll do them. <laughs> now he sounded pretty disappointed when he came back home when everything was gone so i don't think he's <laughs> yeah don't think he's doing that well it saves him the feature creep and a lot of christmas presents to his brother i'd like to see what he could do with graphics express actually because that's a faster graphics engine for basic programmers that's the one jim mullis has been fiddling with and i'd like to see what he could do with that actually if if the bug bites him enough to actually get back into programming on the Kogo 3 So we've uh, got that game to actually go for a couple of weeks. And actually with the maps now, you know where you're going and what 
where to find the things you're uh, needing. So it should be a little bit easier now. A little bit. I mean, most of the game is getting your timing and jumps right and not getting yeah. killed by monsters. So it's it's still a hard game, but at least you have an idea where you're supposed to be going next. Well, even he's even Mike was saying that he hasn't uh, beat it yet again. So, and not from lack of trying. <laughs> nope. We've at least reignited his passion for playing the game. Now to get him to make more new new Coco games. Come on, Mike. I, I, be easier than <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, does anybody else have anything to say about this game? Just just practice. You you eventually get somewhat used to the controls, um, yeah. which are a little odd to begin with. But once you do, it's actually not that bad. Then it's a matter of like the mapping, figuring out where the hidden doors are. That's a critical thing. Um, there's a fairly obvious one fairly early on in the game. Um, and he said that he designed most of them so it looked like it just goes off to a dead end and basically you have to, what is it, to center the joystick and press up and then click yeah, the button up to open and it. jump to open a door. So you just got to be in the right spot. Otherwise, you just jump up in the air. It's funny when you met, uh, talked about in the interview that he never got a two-button joystick because he could have made an option to do oh. it that way or maybe pick a yeah. three when you said right. the second button. It would have been you a lot could have had a too, jump but... button and a fire button. Yeah, but he said he didn't even have a deluxe back when he wrote these. He was running this all in a Black Beauty. I can't imagine trying to play this on the Black Beauty. <laughs> <laughs> That's challenge level. That's advanced game playing there. Well, maybe he self-centered it with the old elastic trip trick. Right, um, right. True, true. I didn't find that reliable because the elastic would snap every once in a while. Hey, it was better than nothing. Right, it helped you get back towards the middle. Mike, Mike in the chat says, Curtis is right, even knowing the full game app, the hard part is trying to fight with the bad controls. <laughs> <laughs> that's remember, something you never hear author. Nick admit, even if it's true. Right, Neutroid right. guy? What? <laughs> yeah, but we all know that Nick's games are all perfect. Bug yeah, perfectly bad in that bug case, free, case, but... perfect playing games. Actually, the the, the current the current neutroid does suck less i will say that well that's an endorsement <laughs> Although, it only took him five say. tries but it sucks less yeah bug five tries and, and 40 years later he got it sort of so bug free and perfect does not imply good it implies bug free and perfect that's probably pretty accurate right nick yeah <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You guys keep talking about these bugs. <laughs> what are they? <laughs> How do they work? In Australia, they're called features, Nick. Yeah. In Australia, real bugs will just literally kill you. So yeah. Well, <laughs> right. If you're alive. It the wasn't only thing a bug. that's a bug in Australia is something that fries your computer. So everything in Australia will kill you. Yeah. Especially but next possums game. Possums are cute. <laughs> Until they kill you. So does anybody else have I, I definitely think that uh this is that Monster Mash is a game that people should uh give a try to and yeah. I have to say, considering he didn't use a graphics editor like Color Max or Coca Max or anything like that at that time, he actually drew everything with draw statements and then he created get put buffers afterwards, but he did everything in basic for drawing those things. That there's a lot of good detailed graphics in there. He did an excellent yeah. job. And actually, go through the uh, Game on Challenge thing and uh, the channel and look at all the things that Mike has written about the game, because it's quite interesting. I think I'll just read the one that he wrote this morning, which I found kind of funny. Very interesting, yes. Um, 
Here's one last bit of trivia on the origins of the game, which I learned by reading back through my journal I mentioned the other day. My friend Frame had nothing to do with making it. It wasn't, he wasn't even in town when I worked on it. I have no idea why he's credited on the title screen, <laughs> unless maybe he did give me a basic idea at some point earlier or something, or if maybe I just thought it would make the game sound more professional to have more names than just mine on it. <laughs> <laughs> So Mark Nick, do you want to feel more age. professional? You could take sponsorships and make some money, extra money that way. There you go. Well, I stick your name in the uh, game testing credits. I mean, that may account for bad sales. <laughs> yeah, good. That would drive your sales down. Right up. Yeah, you're just using the wrong people on your endorsements. I think. <laughs> I know it's Kevin Holloway's pimping your game though by replacing. Yeah, that's right. Well, he's my uh, new sponsor. Uh, he'll be your new tester then. I yeah, hope you're paying him a lot of money. His name will be on the uh, next game's credits. <laughs> oh, yeah, don't worry. Not... We can certainly give it a new Troid. <laughs> yeah, because Curtis liked it. That's why everyone's like, oh, no, I can't be good. Curtis has to hate it. <laughs> oh, I do hate it. Trust me. Oh, now you made him flip the screen. Yeah, that's a good package. That, I yeah, would definitely recommend that one. That's a good one. disc. Yeah. That's a three in one, too. Yep, yeah. it's got three really good games on it. Yep. Shame about the one after that. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's hoping next next game will be better. It's got a good start, I'll say that. That's all I'll say. Probably all right, mad. enough yeah. enough uh, ragging on poor Nick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas, now. Nick. Yeah, Merry Christmas, Nick. <laughs> really? Oh, Brian says he'll be on in about 45 minutes. Okay, cool. Keep an eye on that. Or your All right, so um, I guess if nobody else has anything else to say about Monster Mash... Uh, no, definitely go actually... try it. It will take some more time to get some control, so reserve a bit of time to, to do it. You're not going to like just pick this up and go in two minutes. And just remember when you're playing it that it is done in compiled basic, so... Yeah. it's uh, That's... Just from a technical standpoint, it's pretty darn good. Yeah, and to be honest, I mean, the only thing that really reveals itself to be compiled basic versus ML is the uh, the pause between drawing screens because it's yeah. about three to four seconds before it actually kicks it in. But the actual gameplay while you're playing feels fine. So if you're running it on, uh, would that speed up if you uh, overclock the, like, say, VCC, round it up to, like, 45 megahertz? Yeah, I'm pretty sure the C Basic didn't uh, frame lock. <laughs> Actually, Bob Emery, if you have your code, give me X handy. We should try to three maker to see what it runs like on there. Yeah, I'll give that a shot here in a few <laughs> minutes. <laughs> Poor Bob. He's, he's trying to, trying to uh, solder these some... 27 more chips. He's only yeah. got three and a half more hours to solder this, and you want him to do that too? <laughs> of course. <laughs> All right. So, me. as you may have uh, remember from the very beginning of the show, we had our live little uh, talk about whether we were doing a game on challenge. This week, which uh, we're not going to have the live game on show unless enough people just go and hang out in the Discord. We may hit the button, but it's not a scheduled show. So, um, Sloopy, anything you want to say about that? And uh, Last week's show was great. Yeah, you weren't there. <laughs> exactly. That's what made yeah. it so great. Yeah. There was a bunch of people there. They were talking. They were interacting and conversing. The author of the game actually showed up in the yeah. last bit. 
right Mike showed up and uh gave us that's when he uh showed us the screens that he had been working on for uh <clears throat> monster bash the 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 map screens so that's the check. best show we've had in two years so uh there we go just jump forward Sucked so there's his map screens right there i think next week will be our best show of the year <laughs> Um, but yeah, there's uh, not as many people as we've had in the past, but uh, we're having fun on this show. So, did he say and, that this game was uh, uh, inspired by Castlevania? He said that was one of his games that he was uh, um, probably inspired by. He can't remember right. exactly, but that's definitely a game that he played back in the day. It does have that Castlevania look to it, yeah. Yeah. And he's not shy about putting initials in the back backdrops of the screens. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of games did that back in the day. Like if you play Dragon Slayer by Tom Mix on the first level, there's a, a TM in the middle of the screen and Dave dies when he did uh, Gold Runner and Gold Runner 2. He's got his initials and some of the other people there too on the screen as well, so. Um, yeah, so that was, uh, the Thursday night live show. I don't know the, not much else to say about it other than we had fun. So why isn't everybody there? Come on, people, you should be there playing the games. And like I said, some of us have other lives sometimes. What an lame excuse. That's a, that's, (laughs) that's an excuse, Mark. Yeah, not often. I know. And also, I showed although you the were there part. for a while, so I was there for the early part. Yeah. So I cannot, I cannot say you weren't there. So, yeah. And I, I, I got to slam myself too because it took me over an hour to get there myself. So, yeah. Um, yes, and I think I was sleeping then. Yeah. It took me a while to get there and I was only there for a short time. David, you're supposed to sleep during the news. Well, Mike in the chat is saying, yes, mostly Castlevania was the inspiration for this one. Yeah. Okay, there we go. Yes, and I love Castlevania. Which one? Actually, my favorite one's Castlevania 2. What's Castlevania? <laughs> it's a nin- Nintendo game. I thought it was a themed restaurant in Pennsylvania. <laughs> All right, so uh, like I said, we're not having an official show this Thursday, but next Thursday we're going to have a catch-all show where just come and play any old Coco game you want. Which really you can do on any of the shows. We just (laughs) generally suggest you play the game on Challenge Ones, but... Yeah, we suggest that you try it. This week we're just going to suggest you play a game. And don't worry... (laughs) When you see which one I chose for this one, you probably won't want to play it anyway. <laughs> That's a ringing endorsement is, if I've ever heard one. Is it Neutroid again? Are we playing Spectacular? <laughs> so, so better by Thursday, you're going to want to get get uh, get away from the relatives visiting anyway. Yeah, exactly. And we might have the busiest Even. game on challenge we've ever had. Right. So <laughs> Thursday scripts at two will be worthwhile. Thursday night it will be like no sorry I've got a show to do I cannot stay around and talk to your mother-in-law perfect previous commitment gotta go 
So shall I show you which uh, games I chose? Well, obviously we're doing Monster Mash again, and this will be for two more weeks on Monster Mash. And our new game that we will also be playing for three weeks. It's going back into the classics. The frog. Correct. Ooh. Sparks, the sparks, blue sparks, frog. Sparks, I have oh, a okay. love-hate relationship with this one. Yeah, it's uh one where I thought it. we'll stay with the um we'll stay with the uh uh theme of janky controls. <laughs> <laughs> the yep. frog is actually a decent frogger clone. It just does not have the best controls. I find two flaws in the game and then some really good stuff. So the flaw, the controls, which is arrow key or arrow key based. It's not yeah. joystick, um, but it's also has a delay because it's using really crappy sound. It's basically using the basic sound command. Oh, my. So it's it's crappy. But the graphics are actually better than the arcade one, in my opinion, because they have a lot better animations. This is a Tom Mix software game. So, yeah, written oh. by Andrew Hubble. Yeah, we'll just do jump, jump and Joey. <laughs> yeah, we should have a, a Frogger theme. You play any Frogger. Yeah, there's quite a few to choose from. Yeah, Isn't there even an, an official Frogger? Yeah, we have an official one as well. Is, yes. There's the Frog, Frog Trek, Frogger, uh, Froggy, Froggy, Rail Runner, uh, Rainbow Roach, um, Croaker. Croaker. Yeah, the hot cocoa one. Um, I'm mm -hmm. forgetting a few, though. There's a few that have been lost to time that were advertised back in the early days, too. So, yeah, there's probably at least seven or eight that we have that we could play. If you did want to do a frog. Actually, that's not a bad idea, Ken what, and Sloopy. What do you think about <laughs> occasionally having a a sort of free-for-all, but on a specific game clone of all the different clones? Yeah. Sounds great. With like the, the idea. answer will just be murder, though. With a Which? big uh, list of all the games, especially with a large list of games. So the scores are done by individual game. We can even do one for Neutroid. Or we can no. just do it as a... I would do it more as a um, participation Special. thing because mm. it might get annoying to have seven different high score lists or something. Yeah, yeah, you... yeah I wouldn't do uh, seven high score lists. At the most, what I'd do is say like, okay, how many did you play and what was the highest score? Uh, Henry, we're trying to get him to make all those seven side score lists. Uh, hell no. <laughs> hell no. It's the data analyst in me coming out, okay? Minimize what needs to be put in there. Big reports are bad. We aren't trying oh. to be logical here. I didn't Six say logic the data analysis. There's a difference. It needs to have all seven lists. Logical. Oh, are, are you new to this program? <laughs> <laughs> What's this logic thing you speak of? Actually, I think that's a great idea. We should do it where we're going to have all seven high score lists. Ah, Sloopy, by the way, I'm off that weekend, so. <laughs> you got to pick up for me. I, I, no I, problem. I'm off that weekend, too. So, Jim Ryan, Jim? Get, get ready. <laughs> He's not here. Perfect. <laughs> Sounds like he just volunteered. Uh, no, he's the intern. 
So any- I don't think I'd do that as a regular game on. I would do like a special, like a Christmas special or something like that. You could do the challenge right. where you know we're gonna hit every single clone of this particular game on the Coco. Right, and decide wow. who's best by whatever means we choose. That's why I mentioned it. It is Christmas next week. Well, we are oh, having okay. a free for all, but it's a complete free for all. I think. Yeah, it's, it's not. We yeah, could but... switch it up and say over the next three weeks, play any Frogger game you want. Yeah, and, uh, there's so right. many there. So. Yeah. So instead of the high score list, you have the best score list, and that, and we can yeah. decide what's best by whatever criterion we want. Yeah, yeah, because I don't know if we'll score the same. how it's top three of each game. Yeah, that could actually work because we're also looking at um, we got the other holiday week, which is between Christmas and New Year. So that yeah. Thursday might be a question mark anyway. So well, if we no do one... a Gil, go all the way into the new year. Play any and every Frogger that's out there. Give us your scores. Give us your screenshots. Show us what you got going on. We'll figure it out. Okay, so well, it's uh, it sounds like Henry's decision, volunteering to head this up. So live right. decision, we're gonna it's gonna be the any Frogger clone that we have on the uh, uh, color computer. Does this include Jumping Joey? Yep. Yep. Yay! Woohoo! And my next suggestion for a special episode is uh, a free for all where you play anything but Nick's games. <laughs> <laughs> That's that limits the uh, games available. There goes the viewership. <laughs> <laughs> and then Marco suggests the buzzard bait lancer joust set. Yeah, we did. Fun. We did that one a couple. Yeah, years we did ago. that already. Oh, we, we covered did Pegasus. That? We covered yeah. the transcode. We covered buzzard bait. We covered oh, lancer. Man. Well, the transcode wasn't out yet, so we only did the three. Buzzard bait. Oh, that's um, true. Yeah, that came out a bit later. Yeah, yeah. Donkey yeah. Kong one. Yeah, because Buzzard bait's best. Rivage one. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we so have many Pac-Man clones show where it's actual arcade ports. Lancer's the best one. Yeah. Yep, you're right. Buzzard bait. And, and Pegasus is pretty darn good, too. Honestly. Pegasus is really good, but uh, I just... Lancer the flight mechanics feel really better good. on Lancer. Yeah. Although the the flight mechanics on um, Pegasus are pretty good because you're riding a horse and when you stop flopping you just drop, which I would imagine if you were <laughs> yes. flying over. It's exactly horse. like jumping a horse <laughs> off a cliff. <laughs> I speak from experience. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's Angry Birds meets Joust. <laughs> Not think, Angry think... Birds. Flappy Bird meets Joust. Should have one week that's just the word processor spectacular. <laughs> That color gosh. script set versus Teller Rider 64. Yeah, you can throw Kakodal in there too if you wanted. Scripts it'll wipe the slate. Which one though? Scripts it one or two? Oh, one, the best one. No, two's better. <laughs> All right. So that's for the next uh we're getting for the next uh, two weeks, we're playing Monster Mash, and for the next three weeks, we're playing any Froggy ga- Frogger game you can find on the color computer. And you'll be doing the top three scores of each game? I have absolutely no idea how we're going to score. We'll have it all figured out by the time we reach the frontier. <laughs> so we can write a Frogger game and quick play it, and then take the high score. Oh, yeah. I forgot about the typing ones. There's some on T&D and Chromoset, too. Yeah. Nice one, Henry. Way to throw a bomb in the room, Henry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, uh, I I give Henry the award award for Creature Creep of the Year. There you go. (laughs) And it's carrying over into next year, too. Oh, God. (laughs) 
Gee, Kevin's really trying to get his name on my um my next game, isn't he? Yeah, he is. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say suck less in this game. It would be suck up, I think is what I would say here. <laughs> Really? really? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Are you ready for some news? Ooh. Sure. No, but let's do it anyway. Yeah, because otherwise people are going to start uh, calling asparagus on this. Yeah. <laughs> they haven't already? Right. Yeah. No. That starts Sorry. the ratio. So <laughs> how much of each do we have? It's, it's a bit shorter this week, so I got announcements and game on stuff. I'll probably do. Then we'll do a break, see if Ryan's here by then. And then I'll kick into the regular news because it's a bit more regular than those game on news and the announcements. Okay. Do you want to start with the announcements or you can do game on? Yeah, announcements first. Just okay. get them out of the way. So share my screen. I think I can use Spectacular to, to uh, compete in the uh, word processor challenge. Oh, four numbers. <clears throat> okay, so first off, we've got two uh, interviews scheduled currently, and Henry will be a third probably in February sometime. We might have to discuss that because one of the uh, interviews that we did have scheduled has to have a date change moved here, so we actually do have a bit of an opening earlier if he wants to. Uh, but the first one is January 6th. Uh, which is a double interview with Glenn Dahlgren and Doug Mastin. And Doug Mastin was one of the original authors of Contras, which you can see here. And he also brought a lot of stuff to the fest here that will be showing uh, on the show. For anybody who didn't make the fest, you'll be able to see some of the stuff that was actually used in designing Contras. That's on January the 6th. And then originally we were going to have this on January 20th, but uh, Glenn Dahlgren got to me just this morning and mentioned that he's got a book signing uh, at the exact same time. So we're going to move that to January 27th, but maybe not because also that's the virtual Cocoa Fest unless we want to make it part of the virtual Cocoa Fest. So Mark O and me will try to work that out with Glenn to see exactly when this is happening. Uh, so Henry, we were talking about getting you on in February because kind of roughly scheduling interviews every two weeks, but did you want to fill in the old spot? What, date was, that? Wait? Does it, what, what date was that? January 20th, originally. Yeah, sure, why not? You heard it here first, folks. Let me just add anything else you need to schedule right now. <laughs> Psychiatric exam. I don't know. <laughs> uh, wait until you're actually like being hosp being hospitalized before you do that. <laughs> it's a lot more fun because you get to ride in the ambulance. <clears throat> okay. So we'll do the, here's your life, Henry on January 20th. <laughs> then January 27th, <clears throat> Glenn will be coming back to promote both his new and final book in his series. And uh, also, he's going to be looking for some uh, kind of the same thing that Doug's doing. We're trying to pull out some of the old the original sketches and, and design notes on some of his Cocoa games back from the Sundog days or even you know previous to that when he's selling through Mark Data, et cetera. So that's it for interviews. And just for those of you who don't know, and of course, it's going to do that. This is the new book uh, that finishes the uh, the series. And why he's getting busy with all these book signings and stuff. <clears throat> now we'll go on to uh, shows coming up. So the first one is VCF SoCal, February 17th to 18th in Orange, California, at the Hotel Fair Event Center. And you can get your tickets and stuff here on their website at uh, www.vcfsocal.com. And they've actually got... Um, 
yes, Stefan, this is the one that uh, Mark Overholzer, I think, was going to try to attend last last year, but wasn't able to. So yes. they haven't got everything open for like actually getting, you know, speaker schedules and registration stuff. That doesn't open until January, but they actually have got a tiny little web page now that actually mentions it and where it's going to be. So March 23rd and 24th, the Interim Computer Festival happens in Seattle, Washington at Intraspace. Um, and Mark, do you know any more details about this yet or... No, I haven't or, seen anything. There is a mailing list that I got on for the uh, the uh, September October one, and I haven't seen any traffic on it yet. So, okay, because you might hear some stuff on that list that I won't see on their site or anything. Yeah. So, if you do get anything, just forward to me. I do know that they're trying to basically take up the slack from the Vintage Computer Festival Pacific Northwest. So that's what they're kind of aiming to do is restart that. So, by okay. by moving to March, that's where the VCF Pacific Northwest was in the past. Well, 2018, 19, and was uh, was set up for 2020. So, anyway, so that sounds like they're trying to move it in the same time slot. So, I'm all for it. Planning on being there. Okay, cool. Uh, next after that, we have the 32nd annual Last Chicago Coca Fest, which takes place at the Holiday Inn and Suites at Carroll Stream uh, near Chicago and near the airport. Actually, if you're flying in, uh, this is going to be a special one. There's going to be some uh, extremely rare hardware on display. Uh, official announcements about what that exactly is going to be will probably be coming the next month or two, but uh, you definitely don't want to miss it if you can possibly make it to this show because you'll see some uh, cocoa history that's not been seen by anybody really before. Next up, we have the one where I'm you know conflicted as to which one I'm going to go to. Um, there's Boat Fest, the third annual Boat Fest. This time, we move to a new venue at the so Social Event Space. This is June 14th to 16th, 2024, in Hurricane. West Virginia. You pronounced and, it right. What's that? Yes, you pronounced it right. Oh, no, Boat and Aaron have, have schooled me in how to pronounce that a couple years back. You don't know how many times <laughs> I've sat here listening to you say that hear, say that and say, it's Hurricane, Hurricane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why they pronounce it differently there than everywhere else in the world that it's same way. It's West word, Virginia. <laughs> that's all I got to say. That's really all you have to say, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty well said. Anyway, it's say, it's a good retro gaming show. There definitely are is an emphasis on games, but they also have some hardware repairs and hardware stuff on there as well. Um, Ken and I have both been to it before. Hopefully, uh, Henry will be able to make it this uh, next year too. It's a fun time. Um, we've even had some people but last year were bringing in, you know, the, some people are flying in from Europe and stuff and they'd be bringing like delicacies, dessert delicacies, stuff from their respective countries for everybody to try, which is really cool. Um, and booze to try too. What is a dessert delicacy from West Virginia? Possum pie? I don't know. No, not possum <laughs> pie. I think it's like squirrel stew or something like that. Um, <laughs> squirrel, fried squirrel brains and eggs. Candied squirrels. And it's squirrel. It's for dessert. Come on. <laughs> I like it. Oh my. <laughs> I don't even see mom grew up in mom grew up through the southern tradition, so I'm used to pecan pie as being the big thing. But right, right. Maybe it's just a Twinkie. Or pecan? No, pecan. <laughs> oh, okay. Pecan. I don't that that's how my family pronounced it. I th I right. think Franklin Harris actually he summed it up with their their special dessert at Moonshine. There you go. Yep. That's a good dessert. <laughs> Finishes every meal. No. <laughs> Don't forget Ooh. turtle stew. Oh, you have to make I... it out there sometime, David, too. You, you'd have a lot of fun at that show. Honestly. Are you sure about that? 
Yes, as, I am. And, 100%. and as you see from the map, it's all cross country anyway. Mm. And it's not that far from West Virginia's only amusement park. And also, if you go to the uh, to Boat Fest, they have one of the best pizza spots. Yes. That's uh, within just a couple blocks of even the new location. Like it's yeah. cool. easily walking because it's awesome it, pizza. Is it called Domino's or? I, I can't I remember, can't remember, what, remember it what it's called. called. Do you remember, Ken? No, I don't. Frank, do you remember what that pizza place was called? Yeah, Frank. Frank might remember. You can tell us in the chat there. Little Caesars. Yeah. No, no, it's not it's a not, chain. It's, it's a, a local. <laughs> it's a local guy. Yeah. Surprisingly uh, enough, West Virginia has a lot good. of like local fooderies that aren't chained that are very, very good. They're good There's right? a very good one that Boat's wife just opened up the last couple months here. We'll be yeah. trying that out if you're there too. So I'm gonna have to. Anyway, uh, June 13th to four, or sorry, 14th to 16th, uh, social event space in Hurricane West Virginia. But that exact same weekend is the second return of uh, BCF Southwest. And this is in Dallas um, at the Davidson Gundy Alumni Center at the University of Texas, Dallas. And there's a lot of Tandy people, including Mark Siegel and a bunch of others that are down there and 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 Prickett and a whole bunch of others that uh, they had a whole Tandy seminar because, of course, this is the headquarters of, of Tandy Radio Shack. So and because, you know, you know, the the old guard of Tandy is getting older and older and there's there's less of them around. I, I do want to make the show at least once to talk to and interview, you know, some of the people there and, you know, people up in their 70s and 80s that might be the last time to do it. So I'm really torn on this one. So I, I'll have to see how things go. I mean, it'll be a bit more expensive for me to go to that one. Actually, a lot more expensive for me to go to that one. Um, so that might play a factor into it or not. But uh, hopefully some other Coca people. I know Brendan Donahue made it down last year. He had his own booth even for the Coca VJ, et cetera. So anyway, two really great shows. Uh, VCF Southwest, of course, is just general vintage computer stuff and, and home console stuff all the way across the board. And honestly, Boat Fest is the same thing, except with a bit of a game slant. So either one, you're going to have a great time. So. And that's it for the announcements part of things. So I'll do the game on news next. Did you want? But the first one here is Magic Square, which is an old game from 1977, originally by James Cohn that he's ported to the MC-10. And it's from uh, James' book called Advanced Basic Applications and Problems. So it's a bit of a strategy game. Uh, this program generates odd order magic squares by the De La Luberi method. I have no idea what that is. So That's it's not right. I can't pronounce it either. Yeah. It looks like too much of a thinking man's game for me. <laughs> but <laughs> All right. He's ported that one if you want to try that one out. And then he's got one for the new 10-liner uh, basic programming contest this year. 
Uh, he's submitting one uh, a version of Snakes and Ladders. And uh, I think if I remember, he's done a Snakes and Ladders before, but I think this has actually been modified and, and improved upon. About uh, that, maybe check with Jim to see exactly what. Uh... But it actually kind of like draws the board here using semi graphics, and you can see like the snakes and the ladders where you you plummet down or up type thing, depending. A little dice roll in the middle, uh, mid roughly middle left at the bottom there. Um, yeah, so he's got some nice little you know considering what he's working with for graphics wise. He's even using the alternate character set so that the players' pieces stand out using the dark red and orange, uh, but still leaves green free for some of the actual spaces on the board. I'm assuming most people here on the on the panel have played Snakes and Ladders, the board game, at some point. Yep. I haven't done it in like 40 yep. years, yep. but I do remember it. I don't remember Snakes and Ladders. I remember like something else, like Shoots and Ladders, but not Snakes. It's the same difference. Okay. Oh, okay. I didn't know, realize there was an alternate name. I always knew it as Snakes and Ladders. Yeah, the Even board though. game that I had as a kid was called Shoots and Ladders. Okay. Yeah. The one I had was Snakes and Ladders. Somebody, not me, because I already know, should Google up why there's a difference and which why the snakes were there to <laughs> begin. Yeah, they because probably took the marks. snakes out because it was too scary for the little kids. Marketing. Copyright. Trademarks. Yeah. It was more Indiana Jones friendly without the snakes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They still make shoots and ladders. It's still a very popular game. So what what is the reason of the difference? Just out of curiosity, because Why, there's two names. The, the original version was a morality game. You ascend towards heaven on the ladders, and you slide towards not heaven on the snakes. Oh, so we had to like clean it up for it was it was uh, originally developed as a way to teach children about uh, early morality stuff. So wow, I had no idea. I never would have guessed that. Which makes wow. the shoots and ladders version particularly American, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, I, I that's that's kind of fascinating, actually. Now, here we are speaking about the uh basic 10 ladder contest. So here's the rules, and it's actually run in Europe. So if you go to the page, which is in the show notes if you go in our Discord, when you first look at it, it's in like I don't know, is this German or something? But basically you can like scroll German down and me. get the actual converted version to English type thing. It's got the rules for the contest here. There's multiple categories like they've done every other year. So you've got the pure one where every line has to be 80 characters or less, and you have 10 lines maximum. They have the 120 character line. They have the 256 character line, which the Coco can do as well. And then they have the kind of unlimited go nuts um, type version. And then all the things here, they've got actually little prizes and they announce awards and stuff and they do this every year. So we've covered it before in previous years. But it's cool to see that Jim's entering it yet once again. And he's done a pretty good job on that game there. It actually looks pretty good for 10 lines of basic. You might want to uh, acknowledge that your toolbar got upgraded. Sorry, what? On your Chrome, your toolbar oh, got upgraded. Your, your night messages are being broadcast to the world. I'm not even seeing me nag messages here. What are you talking about? Huh. I'm not seeing. Maybe it's Mark's nag messages. <laughs> I wasn't paying attention. Yeah, I don't. I don't see these anywhere in here. What, like, Never mind. Doing? For some strange reason, it's on my just my screen. <laughs> it's on Zoom. It's you man. It's on it's Zoom. Yeah, it's just uh. on Zoom. Oh, funny. okay. 
So does that mean my, my Zoom may be out of date? Maybe. I don't know. No, it's just on my Zoom. Oh, okay. Your Zoom's out of date. <laughs> weird. It's all your fault, Mark. <laughs> you missed your daily update. I guess. I was doing weird things with the sound, too. Yeah, you did miss your... I had one two days ago, so welcome. It to is doing world. weird things with the sound. I haven't heard you mispronounce a name today. Ah! Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Burn. <laughs> Okay, next up, uh, Mr. Alan Murphy, I'd like your help uh, talking about this one a little bit. So another one that Jim's been working on is uh, Nostromo, or the full Japanese title, which I'm not even going to try to pronounce here. Which uh, of course give it a the... whirl. It'll be fun. <laughs> have, have Mark, Mark pronounce it for us. Yeah, it'll <laughs> be more, more fun. Well, who you saw it? <clears throat> I'll just say uh, Nostromo, see, but basically, uh, go ahead, sorry. Uh, let's see. Um, uh, Achu, um, let's see, yeah. Gesundheit. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> You know, it's like, uh, <laughs> no, that's German. Krankenwagen. <laughs> At any rate, Nostromo, <laughs> originally programmed in 1901 and considered one of the earliest jump scare games, which I think was originally a PC 6001 game. Now, from what uh, Jim had mentioned in the comments on the description here, he's actually been in contact with you, Alan, about this game. Is that true? Yes, he has. So did you help him with the game or or what exactly was the correspondence? So it's in one of his earlier blog posts. Um, he and I have been kind of tag teamed back and forth on, on messing with this game. So many years ago, he ran across an animated GIF of the gameplay and immediately recognized it was done on a VDG. And so he got interested in it and all he could find was the animated GIF. So he programmed a version of the game based on what he could figure out from looking at the GIF. That was version one. Then um, I found his translation. I'm like, wait, there's an alien game I don't have? So then I started digging around and ended up finding the NEC PC 6001 on um, archive.org somewhere and finding more about it. And I had mentioned it on one of my blog posts by the full name. And that gave him enough clue or something to go find out a lot more about it. And he ran into the source code and he started uh, updating and made a second version based on actually seeing the game. Um, or at least the basic pieces of it. Now, the, the game itself was originally a kind of a, it was inspired by an earlier game called Shoplifting Boy where you broke into stuff and stole stuff from a store and the security guard chased you. But uh, what the original programmer, Akira Takiguchi, didn't like about Shoplifting Boy was you could always see the guard. It made it too easy. So in 1980, when he started programming on Nostromo, Alien, the movie, had just come out. He was a science fiction fan and really liked it. And what he thought was, I'll make an Alien-type game where... It'll be Shoplifting Boy's idea at first. You can see the alien, the little at sign moving around. And then after a few levels, the alien becomes invisible unless it's in the hall with you. So that's what kind of basically put this into the survival horror category, because not only does it include this survival element of the, you know, avoiding this unseen stalker, 
until it's close enough to be in the same hall with you. But there is a cut scene or three in the actual code. So at once, once it's ready to switch it to the harder mode of the game, it'll stop and it will show you like a graphic of the hallway and you're like moving down the hallway, you know, it cuts to another frame of the hall and then it draws a big version of the hat sign uh, in the middle of the hall with the words, it's here in Japanese at the bottom. And that's your sign that, oh, okay, we're, we're doing the bonus round or that it's now brought up this survival mode. So it sounds to me, not having seen the video, that he has put, there it is, yeah. And now there, oh, see, he's done it in the uh, MC10 semi-graphics bits. Yeah, oh, in English. So yeah, he's got the time trial banner and uh, the other screens in there. So it's looking like he's actually finished out um, fully translating the original rather than what he originally started with was just kind of an impression of it from a GIF. So yeah, wow. I've, been, I've been following this for a while and it is what inspired me to try to make a Cocoa version. Um, and I went to the original basic source and found some Z80 assembly behind it and have been going to that as well so that I can recreate the original alien movement. And uh, at some point um, when I get, now that the alien moves the way it's supposed to, I can actually kind of explain that to Jim if he's interested and you know we can translate that over into his MC10 versions. So he also threatened that if I don't actually get my version done at some point, that he'll eventually just break down and make it for the cocoa as well. <laughs> And and I'm I was I think at the time he said that I said something like yeah go for it yeah there we go that saves me a whole thing but uh, now he's he's been working on the MC10 ones and uh, it, it's really kind of impressive what he was able to get out of the MC10 from the original given that the original uses a custom kanji font ROM from the, for that machine and um, the there's three voice music using a, a variation of Microsoft's play statement and it programs an ay using a modified sound command and all kinds of stuff so he's you know he he managed to recreate the original game really closely the first go around and then once he found the actual bits uh you know he has turned the the mc10 version into really it so cool i i do know like i found his blog because he mentioned it <clears throat> in there as well so you can see it here yeah there's the gif so this is what he based the original version totally on, uh -huh. just as one animated GIF. And then later he found a playthrough video from a, a Russian lady going by the handle Pantariasha that, uh, you know, she got up far enough that showed that the part where it became invisible and things. Yeah, here's where he mentioned you here. Oh, yeah. And that was very cool. That was a surprise. I was like, oh, hey, I'm on here somewhere. Oh, no, run. Right. <laughs> And he's got his progress here. And here's, of course, the map of the... No, that's a different alien game. Oh. <laughs> so there, was that original... Was that original version based on the thing had playing card graphics? So they yes. used that to get graphics? Yes. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, the forward ROM in the yeah. original uh, does have the card suit graphics and um, supports... So it's the very fun. top one, yeah, it looks like playing cards just because that was the graphics they had. Yep. So they used it. Cool. I like that. Okay. 
Yeah, and that's just a VDG. It's the same chip in the MC10 and the Cocoa, just with a custom ROM, just like we used to get the lower kits and stuff back in the day. Right, right. But if you go to the top of the page, they had those custom fonts that they used to. So it's not fonts. It's like hearts and clubs. That's what my Cocoa and, 1, 2, 3 version looks like. Yeah, because you actually okay. did a graphics font for it, right? I, I did the graphics font. It does support Cocoa VGA. Um, it'll draw this all on the uh p mode 4 screen and cool. it does it on the um a 256 by 192 coco 3 screen in that exact font and i just posted an update on the discord to mine when i got the alien moving uh, a little while ago and, and you know so i've got some stuff on the page i could show what those look like as well but uh yeah the gem is the inspiration for how I got into choosing that as the um, the thing I was going to try to learn 6809 assembly porting, rebuilding. Nice. So you said you have actually have an update? Oh, no, I've already put it on the Discord a while back. Oh, okay. <clears throat> I was going to say, if you want, I can stop sharing if you if you wanted to no, show it's, something. It's the, not, not for anything for me to... The alien chases you exactly like that in the GIF. Okay. Nice. And it, when you go in a room, it kind of like stalks around the outside of the room trying to get to you uh, and stuff. And, and that was part of the, the movement that I wanted to get right. And that all stuff, all that junk was hidden in the Z80 assembly code that follows the basic code uh, when you load it from the tape. Oh, they appended on the end? Yep. Yeah, some Cocoa programs did that sneaky little trick too. Yeah, and uh, since it's a Microsoft basic, it was not hard to figure out the line format and you know the tokenization and pull it all apart and then start taking the Z80 code apart. But uh, getting the, the the way the Z80 logic works compared to the way that 6809 logic works, and you know, I have found every possible way you can do it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's stuff like even with the six five two. There's certain flags that don't quite work the same. Uh, yes, they all they right. all work different now, and I'll get the wrong one at least three or four times. Cool. So well, anyway, if you want to read the full blog here, uh, the link is in the show notes on our Discord as well. If you want to go through, I won't read it all here, obviously, because it's pretty large. But uh, looks like there's some history of other alien base games too, which I think yep. both you and Jim are fans of. Oh yeah. There's even more that I need to send over to Jim at some point. <laughs> and because that wasn't enough, he also did this in the woods, which is originally by Ken. And I'm not sure if that's the same Ken we're having our show here today. Um, yeah. from Asking this was on the same tape as Nostrum. Nope. There were four games there, and this is another one that was there. Yeah, it's another PC6001 port to the MC10 called In the Woods. And this is more like an escape style, I think. Except you're trying to collect treasures without running into... You're trying to, I think, if I remember right, it's a witch in the woods that's trying to... Yeah, you got a time limit to go collect all the diamonds. And you can't run into trees or mushrooms. The diamonds are the asterisks. The XY walking figure is you, so you have to go collect them without hitting the other other shapes. Okay, this is one of the other ones on the tape, not the not the witch one. And I don't know. Is this one where you hold the key down to move, or you hit the key and then you're walking that direction to kind of force you to 
make decisions. Yeah. I, I haven't attorney. played any of the other ones on the tapes. Oh, okay. But they, they also put out a demo tape, all four of the games. And uh, the demo actually has instructions for the promo on it, which is why I was like going through all that. So. It looks like a challenging game, because if it's one where you hit the key and then you're walking that direction until you hit another key or you run into something, that would be fairly challenging, because when you pick up the diamonds, it leaves one of those little shapes behind you can't run into, so it fills the board back up and makes it a bit more complicated, so I could see that definitely being a fun little diversion game to play. Next up, Mr. Ken Waters, if you want to talk about this one here, I'll, I'll mute it and you can... Tell me if there's a certain spot I should fast forward to or kind of discuss what this uh, video is about on your channel. Um, basically, I just looked at some Doctor Who games that are available on the um, Coco just because of the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who just ha having happened. So hmm? I figured take a well, look uh -huh. at some games. <laughs> What? So this first one here by Prickly Pear, I do remember reading about this one. In fact, I think I tried it. I was kind of a bit confused with it. Yeah, um, it's... <sighs> <laughs> um, That's why I said it all, I think. Yeah, it, it gets really boring really fast. Which is unfortunate, because... Kind of like I think show. if I remember, Alan Huffman covered this one years ago, because he's a huge yeah. Doctor Who fan, too. Um, there was some uh, notes from Alan in the uh, download. So, oh, really? Did he modify the game at all? Um, well, he made it so that it could be released on disc because uh, apparently it came on. It originally came on cassette. So, oh, okay. And the sound file was just a separate file on the uh, um, on the uh, disc or on the uh, cassette. Which okay. a very odd choice of <clears throat> music in this game, for some yeah, reason. Yeah, that that struck me as weird. Like, was that on the original? Well, that's according to Alan, it was. Yes. For those of you who haven't tried this or haven't watched Ken's video, and I'm not going to put the music on here because uh, even though it's generated by a Coco multi voice, it probably will get a copyright ding. Uh, it's Country Roads. Yeah. What the heck does that have to do with uh, Doctor Who? Well. I guess oh. technically you're supposed to end up at Gallifrey at the end of this game. So he's technically going home. What year was this game? Uh, 1983 or three, five. Four, five, oh, seven. he had the code, so he just used it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Because that was the time Country Roads was yeah. everywhere. Yep. He just got the uh he just got the Clell Dildy code with um from Oh, forget which of the magazines it was. But it was the right. original 6809 four-voice music port of the 6502 stuff that Hal Chamberlain did. And yeah, it came with Country Roads as data, and it came with that organ sound that we've heard forever. That was all from the original version of the four-voice player, and they just lifted and dropped it in. There, we've got music. Done. Yeah, and that was with yeah, the original, pretty... like the, the, what the composer used. It was kind of the more scratchy organ music that kind of fixed up the waveform later on with you know, music on Lyra and stuff. You can tell the difference between those two engines because it's definitely, it doesn't hit the high notes as well. It really gets off and yeah, has a bit of a scratch. Yeah, straight 6502 port to 6809. Yeah. That was also one of the most annoying things about this game is that you, uh, when you uh, go to do anything, it plays the entire song. Yeah. So Ugh. 
it technically it was seven. I went back and looked through my um through my footage. It was seven minutes and thirty-eight seconds just to start the game before anything even happened with playing the music and loading the game. Nah, I just gonna dope out of that. So Mike Snyder, don't worry about that three or four seconds between each screen on Monster Mash. <laughs> and like what what is this screen about here? Well, this is when you're landing on a planet and you have to avoid all the enemy ships. All those are different en- enemy ships, Starlicks and Cybermen and everything right. else. You're fi- trying to find all these keys. Yeah, you're the tar. The, your little gray thing is the TARDIS, which looks nothing like a TARDIS. Okay. Looks nothing like a TARDIS. Not but, even no. the color which is available. Right, right. the TARDIS is blue. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, sort of. You scary. finally yeah. you land on the planet and you get the key and you have to collect these seven keys before you go back to Gallifrey. And I figured it out just extrapolated on how long it took me to get one key when I finally was able to get one on the easiest setting. It would be about three hours and 45 minutes to play this game right through. And most of it is just sitting there doing wow. nothing. And I'm how surprised this ever went on sale. Roads? Yeah. How did you do that wipe that we just saw there on the video? Yeah, I like your clock thing. Yeah, that was just my, that's just my editing. I just oh, did that to jump forward in time. Maker. Jump for- I, no, I, it's I a game this poor Nick. They spent in- all their time writing machine language routines to do that wipe effect. <laughs> no, no, but if you, looked at, if you looked at that wipe, the diagonal line was very smooth. I thought, yeah, because it's done by modern. Yeah, <laughs> that's because it's done by modern. Nothing. That's just to yeah, show the yeah. passing of time as yeah. I sat there and that's the skip the, the seven minutes of playing Country Roads again, basically. Yeah, oh, that's that's what it needs. It starts out slowly and then waves around quicker, and then you'll know. And then I looked at the four games that are available from Mike Snyder on uh, one of his disc compilations there, which are actually yeah, these, these are quite different games. Like they're all Doctor Who themed, yeah. but they're completely different play. They're all right? completely different, except that they all tie together in that uh, having talked to or gotten a comment from Mike on my uh, video here that there's each of the first three games has a password when you beat it to play the fourth game. And he's got them all in one disc or did you make this little, that's all on one disc. So that is available from his website. And have you played all four of them now? I've played only three in the video. No, I had all four. Oh, did you? Okay. The fourth one was a favorite of yours. Uh, the first one, probably. So fast I mean, they're all completely, completely different styles of games. Skip directions. That's from Wussies. So in this one, in stage one, you're doing this where you... Now, unfortunately, you only have one life in each of these games, so <laughs> it's very hard to beat them. But, uh, yeah, so you've got to shoot those things and get up to 500 points before you'll get onto stage two. I've never made it to stage two. <laughs> so you're basically, you're escaping everything in, in a stolen Cyberman jet and you're going back to the TARDIS. So in stage two, you would be back in the TARDIS, but uh, I never got Very... that far. And then in the uh, second game, it's actually more of an adventure game. You're wandering around an Island collecting things to beat the Daleks. So you're just that little guy up there and you're going from house to house asking for help, basically. 
Oh, I like that wipe for the overlay window. That's kind of cool. Yeah, that Our was likes. done. I didn't do that, that one, right, Nick? That's the other guy's right. okay. clock animation. Okay. Yeah, that's his clock animation. That's Mike's uh, clock animation. Yeah, that's all right. So this is the second game, and then the third game is another. Uh, it's oh, kind of forward. Yeah. This is probably the worst one of the bunch because uh, you can just fast forward a little bit more to get to the actual gameplay because I'm just yapping on here. But it's very blinky, so it's really hard to play. So. You Is that your shadow, like you're hovering in the air? Yeah, that's your shadow. You're flying over this landscape, and you have to shoot those blinky asteroids. And you can't miss any of them, because if you miss one, it kills you. If it hits you, it kills you. Like playing <laughs> football on an Atari. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing is there. You're shooting it where it might be or used to be. or. And this much. is also a compiled basic program. Yeah, yeah, I think the whole series is. <clears throat> and then now, the is there a height control? Like, is the shadow there because you have to determine the height of the thing you're shooting to? Or? No, I think he just—I don't know. You'd have to ask Mike, but it's just yeah, yeah. You're just—it's—it's it's two dimensional. That's just to okay. give it that three dimensional look. I think you're—you're you're eventually going to be flying over a city. Now, one thing I think you mentioned to me in private is that you have to complete the previous game to start the next one because it gives you a password or something. Is that right? You, the, yeah. the first three games beating them will give you passwords to play the fourth game. So oh, okay. if you actually look at the fourth game, you can play the first level on the fourth game, but that's it. Uh, so it asks you for a password. And then uh, because I didn't have any of the flat passwords, I can only play the entrance maze. Oh, so there's more to this game, but yeah, that's a fast timer. It is a very fast timer. <laughs> but yeah, so because I had no passwords, this is the only one I could uh, play. So you have to escape the maze? Is that what you're supposed to do here? I guess. I I didn't play too much on it because it's just a it's a maze game. I'm assuming you have to get to the TARDIS or whatever. That blue probably that blue box that you saw on the one screen. <laughs> And Mike's in the chat here. He says, uh, no, it's just a shadow, no height. On the fourth game, you can play level one, but there are additional levels you can only unlock with those passwords. I don't remember the passwords, sadly. I'm sure we can go figure <laughs> them out. And then he says, yeah, you're supposed to speed run the maze. It wasn't very inspired or fun. <laughs> <laughs> he, he just scrags himself in his own reviews of his own games all the time. It's, that's amazing. Well, it was a lot more fun than the first Doctor Who game. I'll put it that way, Mark. Oh yeah, that 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 especially with the country roads thing. Holy crap! What were they thinking? <laughs> so it it played country roads through twice at the beginning while the instructions were on. You had to sit through that. Then it took three minutes to render the entire game. And then when there's not you... that much to it, there's like semi graphics scrolling up like every single car race yeah. game we all wrote in basic, and then a, a, a TARDIS that draws really slow. That's pretty well. And it. whenever you get a key, you had to sit through country roads again. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That that can't be how they released it. I, I just can't see that. Did we we should look for a game review of that rainbow or something because that that 
Nobody would make you sit through three and a half minute song every time you get a key. Well, it wasn't a three and it was like a uh, about a 60 second version. Just of enough it. to be good and irritating, right? Yeah. Well, 60 seconds is way too much. You wouldn't sit there for a minute. Right, right. But we yeah. used to do that back in the day to pad out the runtime. Yes. I never did. Not game. that long. <laughs> well, <laughs> you were good. My graphics took that long to draw as it was. I wasn't going to make it worse. <laughs> <laughs> <You're hard. Okay. laughs> I, I, the, 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 the four parts of Doctor Who, that actually does look interesting. Like the gameplay on each of the parts is completely different from the previous one. So that looks cool. You actually have some different things to do. And the whole password system to be able to unlock all the stuff at the fourth level, that's pretty cool too. So yeah. that might yeah, have to be thought, a game I on challenge. You, you may have to do a game on challenge of the whole series as one one episode to see how far people can get sometime I, in the future. I, I was thinking about that. Then we could kind of play a group game where we all try to beat a beat one one of the games to get the password. Or yeah, and then everybody can kind of like try level four then in the full extent once people have gotten that far. Yeah. Cool. Next up, the Amigos uh, recorded their special Christmas episode where they actually did two Christmas-themed games. And the ones they picked there are fairly recent releases, actually, because as we found out trying to find them, there's not that many Coco-related games for the Coco. There's a couple, uh, you know, basic publication ones. Uh, Rainbow had one, I think. CCN might have had one. But they're pretty bad. Like, they were not really all that playable. And they weren't really themed for a high score thing. So what they decided to pick instead was uh, Ghost Rush, the uh, winter edition, and Timberman, the Christmas edition. And I thought this was kind of cute. I'm not going to play the review. If you guys want to see the review of the two games, you can go watch the video on their YouTube channel or on their Twitch channel. But uh, the intro to the show, they actually played some Christmas music generated by the Coco, which is not part of what the screen here. It's a separate program. They just overdubbed over top. But it actually has the Radio Shack Coco 3 Christmas demo from December of 1986 after the Coco's release, written by Spectral Associates on behalf of Tandy. So I thought I'd play a little bit of that to get a little bit of Christmas music spirit going here, as well as the Christmas Coco 3 demo, in case some of you haven't seen that already. And it's sped up a bit. The graphics on the actual demo are a little bit slower. This, if I remember correctly. Yeah, they're walking fast. I know this this was a lot slower on the original. Yeah. The Brent's comment about this whole sequence was pretty epic. Oh yeah, what did he say? It was something about Santa has to go pay for the Yeah, he has to go buy a Coco Three for a Christmas. Oh and throw it in his sleigh and take off. <laughs> so it's like the elves are, you know, eBay flippers going in pick all these cocos and then run them off the radio shack Santa has to buy one terrible <laughs> maybe it was oh. a warranty replacement he was waiting to pick I, up I don't know I don't know about I don't know about the warranty replacement I'm kind of worried about that cat yeah, yeah. he just ignored that mouse that ran by yeah well, I saw the mouse go across I saw did the mouse kill the cat well, that's, <laughs> the cat the cat unfortunately rather looks dead yeah, yeah that's what I thought I, I've got a cat when it's sleeping. That's pretty well what they all look like. So, and especially uh, in front of a warm fire, that place, yes, <laughs> a sunbeam, a warm fire. They're they're comatose. They're, yeah, <laughs> yes. It's the ashes. It's like the black bits around it, like that look like. Yeah, ashes. it looks like a death ray. I, I think they that's supposed have. to be a shadow, or that yeah, could be like shadow. you know cookie crumbs or something. Say it's Santa's treats or something. I don't know. They should have animated the cat where it would sit up, clean itself, and then turn over the other way. 
That that also could be a whole bunch of hairballs coughed up too. I don't know. (laughs) That is true. So what was the idea of the mouse? That's they they have this thing, the two spectral associates demos for the Coco 3, the original launch one, as well as this one, both tried to put in little cute things in the background so you didn't get bored just looking at you know advertisement. Oh, okay. stuff. Also so if you look at the original Coco 3 Christmas. one, you'll see a guy walking his dog left to right it through the window while showing off Deskmate and Interbank incident and stuff on the screen. And then you'll suddenly see the dog tearing across by itself with a leash trailing behind. Then the guy comes chasing after it because he basically lost his dog. <laughs> so Spectral just seemed to put these little cutesy things in there. Right. Remember also in the uh, tale Twas the Night Before Christmas, you know, there's mentions of mouse as well. So Kind of has a, a historical. Ah, yep, that's true too. To be a mouse. Yeah, that might be that might be it. Yeah, and, and fun fact, that's the cat. that's the most famous poem ever written by an American, and, and this year is its two hundredth anniversary. Wow, two hundred years! Wow, I didn't realize that. I, I just learned that about a week ago. Also, don't don't you guys find it odd that all these you know. Christmas presents are wrapped up nicely so that you can tear it open to figure out what you're getting for Christmas. Yet this one's actually labeled Tandy Color Computer 3. That's the box. <laughs> it's a, that, that's the first one you open. Didn't have time to uh, wrap it properly. Yeah, just threw a bow and some ribbon and done. That's how I would normally write wrap presents or just put them in a paper bag or something. But <laughs> anyway, it's, it's, it's a fun time. Um, Going through the two games, and they're both casual games, very pick quick episode. I think we've played both of them or derivatives of both of them. I think already on the game on challenge, right, Ken? Yeah, I think we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, this is the ones that you guys can actually give your own reviews and even comment on their YouTube channel. Now, they are planning on doing a uh, kind of a summary Christmas special. They're going to be doing that for all the shows ARG, the Atari ST show, the Coco show, etc. Uh, basically, they're getting people that are involved in their Discord to vote on what their favorite game on the particular platform was and also what was one of the worst moments on the show as well. And I submitted, like, they had so many good games on this year on the Coco <laughs> show that I could not pick one single one, so I had to pick three. And I don't know what they're going to do with that, but that's what I did. <laughs> Jim Rice says, couldn't afford wrapping paper after paying for the Coco 3. I don't know if that's true. The Coco 3 was actually pretty cheap at launch. It was 219 US, 329 Canadian I don't know what it was in Australia, Nick. Probably three ninety nine or three seventy nine or something. Yeah, I seem to recall four hundred and fifty actually, but that might have been a package. Ah, okay. Yeah, it it just three twenty nine for a one twenty eight K model. Canada. So yeah, I think so. And then by the end, they were selling for like eighty nine ninety nine bucks US. Hmm. What when they were getting rid of them? Yeah. Well, they had a couple. I think Christmas sales, not the first Christmas, but I think the second or third Christmas afterwards. I think they dropped to ninety nine, then they bumped it back up. But basically, it dropped from two nineteen to one ninety nine as the permanent quote unquote price. But they had, you know, back to school sales and Christmas sales yeah. and stuff where they dropped it further. Well, here in the states, that- at least, they were heavy to push the CM eight plus cocoa, so they really shoved the price of those two down low. Although the cocoa by itself never really got that cheap, I remember that distinctly because I always didn't quite have the money for the CM eight and the cocoa at the same time. But that would have been the sweet deal. So. $99. Is that for a Coco 3 or a Coco 2? Yeah, Coco 3 and a CM8 was what Tandy tried to sell as their mm. sale. They never really pushed the price of the Coco 3 down. But the combo... They, they did, they did a couple really times because I did find one uh, one of their sales flyers from the States that actually had it listed at 99 bucks. 
Yeah, but is that a Coco three or a Coco three, two? Three. Well, that's a three eventually, but when I really lusted for one, I could never get. They would never put just the cocoa on sale specifically. You had to get a CM8 with it to really make it your money. Yeah, for and it. the CM8s I saw yeah. they like what were they normally two ninety nine? Yeah, yeah. But and I, I did see a few times they were on sale for a hundred bucks off, and then the cocoa was on sale at the same time, so you could pick up a pretty decent bundle. So the the big deal was three ninety was uh, two ninety nine for the CM8 and the Coco three, and those came up all the time, and I never quite had the three hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah, Wayne Campbell saying he paid one ninety nine for his Coco three, and that price drop came, I think, actually the second year, like nineteen eighty seven. I think is when they dropped it from two nineteen to one ninety nine. All right, couple of good reviews there. A lot of fun as usual there, and of course they've got their other kind of year wrap up thing where they'll be you know taking votes from people as to what the best games were, uh, and what the you know either worst game or worst worst moments were. And I, I I did submit a few things there. I think Alan, I think you did too. If Alan's still on here, oh Brian's here, so I'm going to stop because Brian's on a time crunch. Please, please continue. Please continue until you're done. I just finished that particular story, so it's perfect timing if you want. Nope. Yeah, well, no, we want to get rid of him. No, we want to get rid of him. He needs a minute, he's saying. I'm, oh, I'm that's what he's saying. I'm, gotcha. I'm gotcha. Okay, so I'll, I'll finish the game on news because just got a few left. Okay, next up, Chronological Gaming has started into September of 1982 now, and the first Coco game to appear was Bridge Tutor by Tandy. And uh, they do have a fairly short review of it, basically because it, you know, it's a card game. It's probably not that exciting to watch. Um, they show also the uh, sales uh, flyer here where they actually got some stuff on sale, like Bust Outs on for $14.97, normally $30 for a cart, and yeah, Bridge still $35. So, but that one he mentions like the manual is huge. It does literally teach you to play bridge. It's not just a how do you play bridge on a cocoa? It's how to actually learn the card game itself. So and that's difficult because I've been learning for a few years. Yeah, well, I think he said the manual's like 40 or 50 pages or something like that. It's for mm-hmm. you know a, a game from Tandy that's pretty big. Oh, worthy of Hoyle. I never saw that shooting gallery. Must really? be a- that's one of Steve's, I think. No, no I, those colors don't look the same. Well, not not for Pal. <laughs> He'd be seeing a bunch of stripes. I don't think he saw that even on. Uh, in no, it, on a real Coco, this is one of the games that actually had the extra artifact colors, not just the pure four. So it had all the yellows, the purples, the greens, etc. They it, it mm-hmm. has the you know crosshatched style dithered look, so it actually does show some more colors. Same as Castlegard did actually. Both no green background. Seven. That's wrong. That's just your fixed yeah. thing. It's it's white. Yeah. So anyway, there's there's a f- couple of pretty good games coming up uh, later on for uh, September of 1982. This is when the Coco started to get some of the more advanced games. I think there's a few outliers. We had some pretty good advanced ones like Astro Blast and a few others before. But this is when it starts to really come out. And there's a whole flurry of Tandy ones that come out in that particular month too. So. Look for those. Um, this is a continuation on from last week, a gaming channel by LRU, <clears throat> where he tries to get his best scores on various Coco and Dragon games. Um, there wasn't anything really new added to the Coco, but he did add a few new ones here that he played on the Dragon. Uh, so he has Barmy Burgers, which is a, I think it's a basic, or compiled basic version of uh, Burger Time, basically. So it's kind of like lunchtime, except a lot slower. But well done for a basic game. It's actually pretty decent. 
uh, Cosmic Clones, which is a Mark Data Products game, and Crazy Painter by the Cornsoft Group, um, which is actually a cross-platform. I think they did that for the Model 1 and 3, too, if I remember correctly. Um, but if you want to see some gameplay videos from those particular games there, too. Barmy Burgers is not one we've seen too often up here, so um, I don't know if that one's been translated to the Coca yet or not. Probably has, but I haven't, I haven't seen it. And then the last... Is just his general channel because he has a whole bunch of games and he's he jumps back and forth. He doesn't stick with one platform for like three weeks and then go on to the next one. He's just all over the place. So if you're into retro gaming at all or even some more modern gaming, like you'll see Xbox 360 here. But he's actually got all these playlists, including Real Hardware, the Bandai Wonder Swan, and then you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So if you want to pick, you know, your favorite console, your favorite home computer, he's bound to have it on here. Um, all the way back to like the Fairchild uh, Channel F, which predates the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. But he's also got a special one for the Coco, and he's got a special one for the Dragon 32-64 as well. Um, so if you're interested in gaming, there's actually a lot of cool videos to see on here. And that's it for the Game On News. Brian, are you ready, or are you still working on it? If you guys want to take a potty break, um, that should give me just enough time. Commercial break? Yep. Sounds good. Okay, I need a second. Hello, this is Mark Siegel, product manager for the Color Computer product line and designer of the Tandy Color Computer 3. And I'm proud to be a citizen of the Coco Nation. Shall we play a game? Making games for the Coco for over 35 years. Go to my Coco Games website at www.nickmarentes.com for information and pricing of my later games as well as downloads of many of my older games.
Coco 2's got personality, lots of practicality, fun, it's sensational, learn, it's educational. Coco 2's expandable, so easily commandable. It's programmable, so term exam grammable. Just you and Coco 2 do what you want to do. Coco 2, the color computer with personality. From Radio Shack, sale price for Christmas giving from $149.95. Radio Shack's Coco 2, do what you want to do. Just you and Coco 2. All right, next up we have Weasler's Warehouse. Where'd Brian go? Yeah, where's Brian? Brian, did he turn <laughs> his lost... video off? <laughs> we lost Brian. Ooh. I'm here. <laughs> it's going to be a short show. <laughs> no, he, had to, uh... he had to back in the uh, semi truck there. Right. Fell off the dock door. <laughs> oh, well, thank you guys. Uh, I just wanted to sneak in here for a little while and share a few things with you. Um, uh, the first thing I was going to show you was uh, a couple machines here. There was a, a guy that was selling some a uh, couple computers, and I got to chatting with him. And he had some other hardware, and I ended up buying quite a bit from him actually. Um, but here's some <laughs> of the some of the equipment that I that I got from him. Um, this guy actually, what he does for a living is he, he buys, um, abandoned storage units and, um, he's normally not even looking for retro stuff. He, uh, most of the stuff he sells out of the storage units are things that you might find like at a thrift store, uh, those type of things. And, um, uh, so he, uh, he normally doesn't even, he's, Actually, he said in seven years of doing thrift stores, this is the first time he's had anything Radio Shack. So um, he was he was selling a couple of things, and uh, uh, most everything I'm going to show you here today, I believe, except for one item, I believe, um, all kind of came from this uh, group of things that he had there. So let me go ahead and switch cameras, and we can talk about the first one here. So uh, you haven't admitted that you have a problem yet, or or joined that twelve step <laughs> no. program? <laughs> no. no, you're still sorry. in denial, Brian. Still in denial. Yep. <laughs> okay. Let's see here. Ooh, Try to keep my hands off the desk there. It's so got a dust cover on it. Mm. Yes, it does. Okay. So this one came with a dust cover. There we go. It's it was either that or it was out of focus. <laughs> right? I remember those dust covers. Yeah. So this came with a dust cover here. And uh, um, as I'm moving this around, kind of showing you, uh, let me know if you guys see anything unusual about this uh, color computer. So I'll go ahead and take the cover off of it. It's a little yellowed. It looks a lot better on the camera. It's a later it. version of the dust cover because it says Tandy instead of Radio Shack. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. So that's one thing there. So, but uh, here's the computer itself. Had a little sticker on here with a, uh, looks like a poke that he had in an EXE uh, that was on the on the label here. Yeah, the EXE is a cartridge port ROM. I can't see what the poke is. Uh, seven well, what, the, the badge yep. is an old badge. It is the Radio Shack badge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, the poke is seven one three four one dash. That doesn't even make five, sense. That could be two one maybe or something. Maybe it's a two one or something. Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't be seven, would it? That's too no. high. <laughs> yeah, that's way too high. We don't have that that, that big of a machine there. So anyway, um, seventy two k. I'm not sure. He just had he had an exe on there. So, um, but as I'm moving around, there's uh, where's, where's the power cord? 
Where's the power cord, Mark? Asks. Oh, right. <laughs> Where is the power cord? That's interesting. Yes. That is a problem. There's uh, your problem. Is that a switch? Oh, he's oh, got a, a DC, DC jack. jack. He got a DC oh, jack okay, that this jack. guy put onto it. So, oh, so this was actually with it. And aside from this horrible looking Commodore logo on this thing <laughs> some chicken lips that's right frank's yeah. going to be livid in the chat now <laughs> uh, this is this whoops there we go let me hold this in the right spot here uh this, this was with it so let me go ahead and take the cover off here and we'll take a look inside um and a lot of the things you'll see here whoever the owner of this storage unit was uh this guy must have been quite a tinkerer and you'll see here as we go through some of this here wow so, um, so you can see here the transformer is gone, yeah. and he put a little homemade circuit board here with a power regulator on there. Uh, let's see if I can move the keyboard out of here. There we go. Uh, another little power regulator hiding underneath here. And then he just has oh. the wires going in and tapping at the appropriate spots to give the, the, the different voltages uh, that were needed here. So I haven't, well had chance, yeah, I haven't had a chance to power this up or anything uh, yet, but uh, I'm assuming it probably oh, all really works. Nope. So the Commodore been. supply is an AC supply at a lower voltage, is it? Does it say AC 12 volts or whatever rather than DC? Because um, I bet he's doing the, the 8-volt AC and everything. Uh, 9 volts. I always get these confused a little bit. So it's 9.5. It's the line with the dashes underneath it. Is that DC? DC. That's DC. DC. Yeah, DC. I always get that confused oh, okay. a little bit. So. So he's putting 9.5 into this thing. Did the Coco 2 use an AC voltage? Yes, it did for all the analog stuff. Oh, So okay. a 5-volt Coco would run the, the digital stuff just fine, but the, the cassettes messed up and things like well, that. So, I wonder if he's got yeah. like a switching power supply in there to get you your different well, rails. Because it looks if like he a... has, If he's taking 9.5 DC, then he can do all the other stuff with what I see there. So that's probably just, it's a five volt cocoa using whatever voltage you can cram in. And the Commodore is fine. Also, a lot of other supplies would be fine as long as you've got enough DC voltage to linear down to five. So say seven volts and up. The only thing I can, and I don't see anything really that he, he damaged anything yet. Cause you can see where the lugs were, where the, a, where the AC would have been. There's ground over here that he tapped into. Right. There is one resistor going right here, and the resistor is not labeled in any way. You know, like the other components, there's a silk screen related to it. So I don't know if I he think added that was a fact. I think that's a factory mod. So that's not like a factory thing? Okay. Cool. So, but like I said, I haven't had a chance to fire it up yet to see if this thing, uh, if it works. But uh, yeah, I know <laughs> I pulled a, I bought it. I didn't notice that in the pictures because he didn't have the greatest pictures there. There was something else that I kind of noticed that was interesting, but uh uh, this was uh, this one uh, kind of jumped out at me there a little bit after I saw it. So well, you, you know he knew what he was doing because he put the screws in the baggie under the keyboard. Oh, that's that's my doing. That's sorry. Oh, that's okay. My, well, then you doing. know what you're doing. And he and he must have lost the original ones because these are not your regular. Oh, they aren't gold. Yeah. Nope. These are and they're actually a blade, not a Phillips, and they're pointy, not the flat bottom. Excuse me. Oh. So. But look, good thing he didn't have long enough, one, or they were too long, and well, you know he, how they put the little dimple. Better. Yeah, there's no dimples <laughs> in the top, right? Or right. holes in this case. So, so yeah, that was his first one here that uh, 
uh, that was in the group there. I'll go ahead and slide this in here and I'll get this one out of the way and I'll slide in the next one. Here's my cover. Okay, let's set this guy over here. Okay, our next one. And this one has a cord, so no giveaways there yet. So and this, one also, this one also had a dust cover on it as well. Yep, and then the, the Tandy one, as uh, Curtis pointed out. And then you a badge. Yep, might be a true lowercase one. This is the Tandy here. Um, uh, yeah, this is a 27B. Sweet. So very likely that it does have the uh, the chip on there. He had a whole bunch of little pokes here in the corner. Um, again, nothing really unusual on the outside here that you can see. You know, your regular stuff there. But uh, let's flip it over. Anybody see anything? Else? Oh, what's that port? port. Ooh, well, what's the this? port by there? Did you... there. Yeah. yeah, what did he do there? Let's find out. Serial oh. or parallel is my guess. So let's find out what he did here. Nothing too obvious yet. Let me go ahead and move the keyboard here. Still really can't see too much, but let me lift. Oh, you put screws in a bag. Yeah. <laughs> and chopped it a bit. What the heck? A little bit of wires here. And these ribbon wires go between the circuit board and your RF shield that's on the bottom there. Okay, sneaking out. Okay, so here's this was also with it, and I think this will give us our giveaway here. Hopefully, this guy nice, did nice, neat job of everything. Uh, did a keyboard a adapter? Board? A keyboard adapter. Keyboard so adapter. I don't think he got around to put it into a box. So there's a keyboard edge here, and a uh, joystick port, and here's another. Uh, Extension cable. Uh, extension, and this was with it then. So oh, I, I bet you he built a external keyboard. I did one of those years yep. back where so all this I did was for, just extend it out. Oh, cool. Yeah. So this was Talk an about your hand drawn. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> What's it say? Uh, Coco Remote <laughs> Keyboard 628 of 87. Charles Thurston. Anybody know the Charles dude. Thurston? Drew this Mr. in Howell. study hall at high school. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, could be. So Charles Thurston was the guy that did this here. So um, yeah, so this is a. I'm not sure if he was doing some other things over here because there these wires go to nothing. Maybe he was going to do like a remote reset button as well, possibly. Uh -huh. But he could do a, re one, a remote keyboard and a remote mouse. So. That's really the only yeah. mod on this one. Now, there is this cable here that's kind of coming out, and it's wrapped around here, and it's not going anywhere. I wonder if maybe he intended, because it's just two wires, which is all you would have needed for the reset button. Just to really? together and see what happens. Yeah, <laughs> right? <laughs> see what happens. So, uh, Technically, but, you only need one more wire for the reset button because yep. one of the wires is in the keyboard matrix. Right, would be ground and stuff like that, and you just have to take yep. it to ground, I think, is all the reset does, right? Because it take it to ground. Right. Yep. Yep. Easy peasy. Yeah. So, so he would have had an, an empty case somewhere that he would have mounted a keyboard into, or some little nice keyboard box. Probably thing. a power. Yeah. I had a little. I, I made a little tin box to go under a Coco keyboard that really looked good on the desktop. I could see doing I, that. 
I had a Coco 3 that was heavily modified that uh, had a similar thing going on, and it was just the keyboard was mounted to a block of wood. Because yeah. <laughs> it's it's nice and flat and sits down flat on your desktop without that extra height. And yeah, Isn't that what Frank keyboard. Swagger did with his? Didn't he have the wooden keyboard? Probably. We all stole from each other. So I don't know if you guys remember at the Coco Fest last year in the auction, there was a like a double-sided keyboard where someone had taken a board and mounted two different keyboards on each side. Really? Like flip flip it over and it's IBM or something. Yeah, like a flippy flippy keyboard. Oh, interesting. Like was one of them clicky and one of them like <laughs> linear? No, one, I think one was a Coco and one was like an IBM keyboard or something. Right, mm -hmm. so you have the teletype layout and the typewriter layout both in the same unit. You just flip it over. and So the quotes over the two or the ads over the two. Take your pick. I always thought these uh, boards were kind of interesting because a lot of times the, you know, we find the processor over here near the ROM cartridge mm -hmm. and here the, you know, you got the, got the processor here and the memory is over here. You know, I'm sure, I don't know if it's about efficiency. I mean, this would have been later in the Coco 2. Yeah. This is when they had the option for the eight chip RAM upgrade, the two chip RAM upgrade, the little satellite board RAM upgrade. Yep. You can see oh, your okay. connectors right there and stuff. So, yeah. But uh, anyway, oh. I just I was kind of that the, the processor was all the way over here. But uh, yeah, right. So okay, yeah, that, that's really the only thing is the remote keyboard with this one here. So let me go ahead and lay this stuff back together. So that's a decoy keyboard you put in the top there. <laughs> okay, let's see here. Let me find a spot for this one. That's you out didn't of the even way. Put the dust cover on straight. Oh, I know. <laughs> so sad. All about the details. Okay. Let's see here. And then there's this one. And this one's really yellow. Melty keyboard one. Mm. Ooh, seems fine. With some vet holes. <laughs> Must have a fan in there. Speed vents. Definitely not Canadian unless there's a mesh behind that. Ron, Ron is actually the one who's warm right now with this one. It was a stick-on fan. A stick-on yeah. fan. Oh, yeah. okay. That hung over the side. Uh, yeah. Like the one called the Coco Cooler, I think, was the commercial. The Coco Cooler. So, yes, yeah, so you guys have probably seen this one, right? Yeah, you can see the right? adhesive. Yeah. yeah. The, Coco, the Coco Cooler. The Coco Cooler 1 that was used for the color computer one. This would fit the profile of the right. And so there was a commercials for a Coco Cooler 2. That looks like this. Ah, uh, yeah. Wow. I have been looking for one of these oh. for four years. And Sweet. I have never, ever seen one. I've never seen a picture of one. What a beak. Yeah, look at a beak on that yeah, one. So, yeah. so let me slide this <laughs> over a little bit of... here. This thing yeah, has some market yeah. hardware. Smacker like, in there. And... It would sit like this right here. I was so excited. Wow. I, The guy sent me a picture, and this is all oh. that was in there. Was You saw this picture. like You saw this. And I saw this tape, and I'm like, I wonder. I said, I've got I know money. why them holes are there. <laughs> and I saw this here. And I asked the guy. I messaged him back. I said, is there like a fan type thing? It'd be black probably would be anywhere there. And he's like, no, no, nothing there. And I'm like, dang, it must have gotten thrown away, lost. Because like I said, this is a, a storage mm -hmm. unit that the guy bought. A month and a half later, he sent me a picture and he said, is this what you're looking for? And he sent me a picture of this. And I said, yes, <laughs> about wet my pants and uh, right? i was so excited when i saw this that this picture here 
And um, he told me the story. He was going through, finishing going through the storage unit, and he was on the, the last box. And the last box, he said he just about tossed the whole thing. The box was full of clothes. And this was laying in the bottom of the box covered with clothes. So it came wow. so, same, so close to going like either maybe to the Goodwill or whatever, because he, he said he gets Junk, rid of a lot of yeah. stuff. But he saw a cord, and he lifted the clothes out, and this was underneath there. What's so, it say on the top? It just says, warning, a fan must be on while computer is operating. Because we covered up all the vent holes, so you better have this. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Right. <laughs> and there is a sticker on the inside right here. I won't I won't try to focus in for you guys to read it though. It was loose. I used a I used just a smear of uh, Elmer's glue on my finger, but it says Coco Cooler uh two. And it, and it was kind of interesting how they spelled it. It's uh T O O. So Coco Cooler Two manufacturer was uh REM uh industries. Uh Chattanooga, Chattanooga, Chat, no, Chat, Chatsworth, excuse me, Chatsworth, California. So, what's the white? Keep thing your on fingers the back? out of here. Right. So, what's the, white, what's the white thing on the back? It's the Power switch. switch. To turn it, yeah, yeah, turn it on. Yeah, turn it on. And so, off. some good spelunking by two people to realize that these ugly holes meant that was covered up by something. Right. <laughs> and, well, and, and and the guy to say, oh yeah, he was looking for a stick-on thing. And, <laughs> Yeah, now the interesting thing is that when the fan runs, it's drawing the air in, so the yeah. air would have been drawn into these fans here, and yep. the vents yeah. on the bottom, and then no it pulls it up through here, and then, exhaust, yeah. and then exhausts it through here. So, yep, as uh, Nick is saying there, yep. But I mean, just the molding here—it's kind of probably hard to focus on here, but there's just the littlest little dimple right here, or it goes down. And it fits the little recess right here. I mean, it, the thing fits like a glove. I mean, they did a really nice job when they made this thing. I mean, it just stays right there. Wouldn't now, I got rid of the double-sided the double -sided tape was on it. Um, it was, like, cracked and, and right, brittle. Right. So Isn't I did it... go ahead and take that off of there, though. But uh, What um, you need is some Velcro. Totally unnecessary. Right, yeah, some Velcro. Yeah, I mean, it actually does uh, – it has enough weight to it. Oh, you can it. just and stick like... it on and it just stays, eh? Yeah, I mean, a little it, buzz, though. Yep, actually, it's a magnet. Hmm? Yeah, a magnet. There you go, or something. Magnet, yeah. Velcro dot, something, just so yeah, that it doesn't buzz. Yeah, the magnet that's holding your floppy disk to the wall. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. There you go. So yeah, I was very excited. I never cool. It came together like that. Yep. But uh, yeah, I mean, the story's kind of neat behind it, and I was so excited. I've been looking for a Cocoa Cooler two for for quite a while, so it was nice to to get one of these now, there, now so. for you hardware guys out there ron had a good question is this actually necessary because i never had fans in my coco one or two so if like you if you had a 256k you know banker upgrade yeah. or something i can definitely see it but right, for a right. standard well, one was it really necessary maybe in hot climates I, or something i grew up in dallas and uh didn't have air conditioning and yeah this would have worked well there it's it was definitely helpful yeah, definitely well, helpful if you don't have air conditioning. And and, and that would work on a Coco 3, which yeah. would get hotter because yep, that's so, what yeah. the Rams are. Yeah. Right, yep. right. It made up for not having the best symbol. <laughs> yeah, because it'll yeah, fit in the same spot. Board. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this would fit nice over a 3, as you guys were just mentioning there. And, uh, and that would certainly help draw some air off those uh, off the, uh, the toaster oven. So Yeah. Sucks I wonder more. if it's recommended if you have a mesh in there. 
<laughs> right? right? It pulls the coins up against Smash and keeps them off the chips. So you there you go. <laughs> so yeah, uh, the Coco Cooler Two. I nice. never, I'd never seen one. So um, find a good box to store it in, or that snout will be broken off. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see here. So um, this computer that I just showed you, the one with the holes in it, when I received it. Something that wasn't in the picture was this thing. Has anybody seen this type of thing before? Is that part mm. of the fan? This was what in the ROM do? cartridge port. Oh, just to block? Oh, because the fan would suck all the air? Maybe nope. and whistle uh, I kept the, door? the door open. Nope. Nope. It's a, What's it do? It's a separate thing there. So let me do this here. Maybe this will help. I'm going to tip it on its side. Is for a reset. So it holds the door open but keeps the thing sticking the fingers sticking out? It's a reset, so you don't have to reach back. Nope. So what you can't probably read right oh, here. Oh, that's guide. for a bare circuit board. Yep. It's a, called the super guide. Oh, so it doesn't droop. Uh, I don't, you don't have to stick a Raspberry Pi box under the thing that sticks out of your cocoa. There you go. Can you, oh, there you go. Can you guys see it there? <laughs> yeah. Super, yeah. Super guide. There we go. And this was with it. And this was made by a company. I, I did a little search in Rainbow. I didn't check anybody. I only found one thing in Rainbow, and it was actually part of a hardware review. I found no ads. And um, it was called the Super Guide, and they made two different boards. Now, I happen to have the one, uh, the uh, expander. It's kind of abbreviated. Mm -hmm. spelled X-P-N-D-R-2. Um, that's what the review is on. This one here, it's kind of hard to see here in the packaging but this is the xpndr1 um kind of along the same lines but okay. but you can see here that uh i think I'm it was uh, jason said so this you would slide this into the rom port so it's the snout of the cartridge without all the rest of it like and you've that. got this yeah so your board lines Why? up and you you have a cartridge snout without the top and the bottom yep. yeah it keeps the door open hand. too Keeps it open so you can slide this in there. So I thought that was kind of cool. That is yeah. very cool. We have the only wants to 3D print them. Print them. Doesn't, yep. doesn't stop you from putting it in upside down, though. No, it would not prevent you unless well, yeah, it would. Because, yeah, well, look at the the alignment. You can't put it in up. You've got to put your yeah, cartridge board, in right. But the board could be upside down. Well, no, it and wouldn't fit then. The, the, the fingers. Yeah, the yeah. parts are. Being the, the white. first capacitor would block no, nothing would line up if you put it in wrong in any way. So okay. that's a nice and that, that would be easy to 3D print nowadays. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. By the by the way, 60 in the chatter is calling that a cartridge condom. Oh, but I thought maybe it kept the door open so it was easier to stick pennies in there. Uh, there you pat, go. patent pending though, so can patent we print pending. that? Oh yeah, patent go. pending. Yep. Look out. So, so I thought that oh, was like, like I said. Patent, I didn't even that. that means there are drawings, which means it's that's easier to three D print, right? <laughs> there we go. Yeah. What What's really nice about this at the at the time you couldn't do this, so without someone selling you something like this, it couldn't be done. I mean, you, you would have to you know take a block of wood and prop your thing up, right? It's like today, yeah, you just three D print it, but 
at the I mean, time, you could find some you could find some sheet plastic, um, take a Dremel to it, and then take yeah, a, right, a heat and gun you're a little bit it. off center, and then you wreck one of your pins because the board's going in cockeyed. Fiftieth <laughs> time you plug it in, you wreck your bus. That's what yeah. jigs are for. <laughs> oh come on! But somebody had to uh, pay for a mold for that, right? Which costs money, money. Yeah. Thankfully, it looks like it's a simple molding job. So. So it's only money, not money, money. Where are the ejector witness marks on that anyway? Right. Hmm. <laughs> not a good question. Little, little, little spot right there it looks a little dull. So it might have been right here on these corners right here. Okay. That's okay. So they went, they, they went clampy clampy on the short, not the wide. The problem is, um, that's only uh, good for a uh, a board that you're building or whatever. Yeah, it's a prototype disc controller. Yeah, like that yep. prototype board right there. Which yeah. even in the yeah. day was a small market. So mm. well, let's yeah. see here. Here's a here's a here's a um, here's a JFD. Uh, yeah, because you can see here how this would be too. Oh, if you, if, yeah, yeah, it is. No, his boards are bigger than a cartridge slot to make up for yeah. Yep. So the development boards are a little bit, a little bit wider. It it fits the full width of the uh, of the cartridge opening. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Oh, okay. Nice so, idea. Anyway, I thought it was kind of cool. And like I said, I didn't even see it in the pictures when he sent me the pictures of the uh, with the holes and everything. The, the the cocoa with the holes drilled into it. It wasn't until I received this and it, this was had been left in the cocoa. So that was kind of what's this thing right and he said <laughs> and he said uh, he goes there's a box of random stuff here too i'll just throw that in the box so he didn't even charge me for it and this was just one of the items that he threw in there so so again a, a kind of a luck things come together and you've got a whole product that had been broken apart and for no good reason is now back right? together and then that board if i'm seeing it right that actually has gold contacts too doesn't it yeah Seems. it's a uh, yeah, silver tracing here but then uh, gold right here oops there we go okay. Lead gold traces, nicely done. So just a basic uh, dev board, you know, where it got bus lines right here that you can tap into and stuff. So, yep. Okay. So I thought that was kind of interesting, but like I said, no, no ad. I just happened to find this, uh, this review in, uh, in the, in the rainbow magazine. So it was the only nice. thing I found on it. Okay. So, uh, let's see here. This could be the last thing here. I got I got other things I can show, but maybe we'll wrap this up with the last one. So a while back, I, I showed this that I got from Mr. Ron Delvo. Yep, and, the number jack, uh, the uh, accommodating thing for the HL keyboard. Yep. <clears throat> and uh, but we but we had no cable, and I was toying around with the idea of making a cable. Well, somebody in the community was posting some pictures of. Uh, computer that they bought and that was uh uh nathan uh, lockhart um he, he's on the discord every once in a while and he was working on a cocoa that he was having some trouble with and i saw this ribbon cable in the picture and i reached out to him and we started chatting a little bit and he sent me a picture and this is what he's what i saw i saw this here where it said touchstone and that was as soon as i saw touchstone I knew exactly what this was. Um, if you look at the number jack ad in the um, uh, like rainbow, you'll see Touchstone was the name of the company that was making this for this comp for uh, uh, for uh, HCL. 
Mm-hmm. Ah. So uh, he had no use for it. He The number jack wasn't there. So uh, we organized a, a little trade. And uh, um, you can see here it has the edge card uh, connector on it. And then the adapter for their ribbon cable. And then on the other end is the, uh, the another 16-pin plug. And it goes nicely right in there like that. And then this would fit down into the uh, um, okay. the slot for. And of Keyboard, course, this yeah. is yep. This is a uncle. really yeah. really thin uh, PCB that's on there. Yep. So <laughs> I haven't had a chance to try this. If you guys have a few minutes to entertain me, I have a Coco Three here that I can plug in and we can hammer some keys out on this. You want to yeah. try it? See if it works. Yeah. Why it. not? Sure. No, if, the, if that doesn't work, I'll eat. Something Put it through the keyboard, the remote keyboard thing. <laughs> right. Seriously, if the other machine works. Plug in the remote keyboard thing and put that in that. There you we go. got nothing right. but time. He's soldering that board right now. Yeah, <laughs> Bob's got many, many a joint to go. So okay, let's see here. First case that didn't sound yeah. right. <laughs> Plug it in my uh, switcheroo there, made by. Adapter into the adapter to the adapter. I see you have a I see you have a a a, 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 a wallaby cable a wa- there too. Wallaby cable tool. Yep. Right. yep. In case you need some more adapters yep. on your adapters. My, just did my just did my product placement twenty dollars. Anyway, no there you, go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, some people buy those wallaby cables just so they don't have to flip the Coco Three over and they just right. leave it on there. Let me make sure we got. Yeah, it's okay. a good idea. Okay, so I, I, just I actually this. made a custom one for somebody that does, just has the one connection on it. They just, I just want that one connection so I don't have to flip it over. I'm like, sure, I can do that. How, like, how much are like they? It's so those for. Oh, I'd have to look. I, you know what? I don't remember. I'd have to look on my mm. website at cocoman.biz. So this would set in here in the cocoa just like this, then, whether it's a, you know, right, cocoa hmm. one or two. How do you know which way it goes? I'm assuming it's going to go this way here towards the, just because of the, the arc of the ribbon cable. That's the way he had it in, that, in the one he had. That's the way it was. So. And if it doesn't, you must flip it around. No, I'm going to it's do not it. hard. I'm so nervous about breaking that thin PCB. I think I'm going to go ahead and attach this to the, to this first. And then I'll, uh, it does take a shockingly thin piece of circuit board to fit. Don't in worry socket. if you break the keyboard, Pat's here. Uh, oh, right, and just <laughs> I wanted to make sure I got the right answer for you, Nick. And the Wallaby cable was ten dollars US. All right. Before postage and all that stuff. There That's quite go. reasonable. Doesn't Nick have enough wallabies where he's at? Oh, wrong type of wallaby. No, wallaby cable, not wallaby. Wallaby cable with the, the Y capital. <laughs> there we go. So it's set in the Coco. You need to Dremel the side of the Coco 3. Well, it, yeah, I don't know that where this would exactly get routed. I'm just going to leave it where it's at right now. Let's see here uh, now. Let put, me do this here. We don't put so, covers on these things anyway. Right? Right. You don't clamp it down even if you put who's, it on. This color flash. computer has screws in them that aren't just in a right. little baggie on the inside set there. the top loosely on and it's fine. Okay. Gravity so I got, keeps it on. I got numbers on the regular keyboard. Let's see what we got here. Can I just Ooh, tell you the, nope. there's no no warranty on that? Nope. <laughs> okay. I'm not getting a four here. So, so flip here. the 
dip yeah. cable and if that doesn't work flip the whole thing around because you can't hurt anything all you can do is fail yeah so. <laughs> well that's weird now i'm getting r's on the screen it's pirated Arr. okay so it's upside down both ends upside down both <laughs> ends yeah i wonder if the if the ribbon so does the regular keyboard work properly yes it's a spin three quarter usb thing yeah so you must have that end right so, so it's so, got to be the other end of the ribbon from the number jack is that that's upside down you swapped it can see yeah so you're saying flip the plug i'm surprised over. it's not keyed that end can that end flip over not uh, pushed in all the way because there's there's only a couple of combinations here and that would be one of them okay so i'm gonna take this and flip it over right, this way right out the back yeah okay there we go and i think that if i see it, that right it, that lines the blank plug up with the blank blank pin. right right so now do you have numbers okay let's see here I turned the cocoa off here, so let me see here. Riveting number keypad action, okay. action. Right? There we go. Okay, so still got sixes on the, when I'm, I got numbers on the screen. So, oop, now I'm getting colons. Oh, um. Okay, now flip the other one again. <laughs> okay. I think so we all have colons. Right, yes. right. We hope so. Otherwise, it gets messy. It could be a semicolon. Well, then you got a cloth in your oh. bag. So let's not now go I got there. nothing again. Interesting. There will be a combination where this works. <laughs> I think we've just done it all. I think we've gone through all of them. Does it work with a cloth? Well, no, because you could flip the board where it goes into the motherboard because Jason, some Jason, keyboard things are double sided so that the, mm -hmm. the keyboard will work either way. So it's possible that you could flip the H, the uh, into the original keyboard jack over. Well, do things. Things. just do that. That's that's no, Jason, no, not there. I mean, like if you look under the keyboard, the the whole board that plugs in to the original um, keyboard jack on the Cocoa motherboard can plug in either way, depending on how they your your adapter board, right? Right, well, the, the original thing, adapter. The other thing too is Jason just made a good point too is the keyboard the keyboard matrix for the Cocoa three different than a two. No, nope. No, exactly no, the same. No it just way. fills in four empty spots. Okay. Yeah, As did the original HTL fifty-seven cable. Tell you get the wrong keys and then probably turn the board. That's so, into the, so what I'm what I'm suggesting is if you look under the Coco keyboard, the original thing that you plugged in can go in two different ways. The thing that plugs into the Coco motherboard that we can't see can go in two different ways. So the ribbon cable. It's got to hang all towards the back of the cocoa, not towards the well, front. Uh, maybe. Well, so un yeah, if you unplug the ribbon cable and turn like, that board like around. Like I mentioned in the beginning. Welcome to maybe. the troubleshooting section of our program. Right, because all of this can work many but different ways. So we'll allow it because the, the memory board's in the way. Maybe not. You. We got to remember, this was designed for a Cocoa 1 and 2, not for a Cocoa 3. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Right. Put the so, I mean, as far as rock. layout with the memory board, that's different on a Cocoa 3 compared to a Cocoa 1 because or 2. Because shouldn't mm -hmm. the gap be to your left on the keyboard matrix? I believe that's true. If, if you look at the, the, the Mylar on a keyboard, 
the gaps on the left. So the gaps on your adapter board should be on the left and they're on the right. Now, and somehow. that might not be right. Well, there's there's no gap here though, but well, but there there was some place where it showed. Right. So pin number three right here, just is it this goes to like a little ground loop thing right here. It just oh, uh okay, so that's right. Never mind. You're you are correct. The, the gap is in the right place then, if that's the way it's hooked up. Right. The gap is in the right place on the left. Right. So this this, this just goes right here. Now this does follow through on this third wire right here. So all the wires are crimped into this. There's no missing wire, so to speak, other than this third one here just says. Uh, right, it's in C. It's, yep. it's originally not connected, but uh, fine, put a ground there. You, you might need to open up the keypad and see if maybe somebody modified it for a different keyboard layout. Maybe um, I, I don't, I remember, uh, um, I remember taking the, the back off this thing here. I didn't do Where anything. the hell? I saw a gap earlier when you were showing things, and I thought it was on the wrong side. And I don't know if oh. it was inside of one of the connectors or... Well, the only thing I think of is that the gap... See how this ribbon cable right here where they got it kind of separated a little bit more than they got the rest of them? And I wonder if that maybe made the illusion of a gap. Yeah, I maybe. think it did. Maybe, yeah. But the only thing, like I said... I could... Never mind. So, that, yeah, the third one is, is NC... That's a ground here, so that all makes perfect sense. Yep, so this, this had this go out up here, and this is labeled ground right here. Does right. the ground then, need to be attached? No, no, it's it's not connected anywhere, so it's a logical thing to just no, put a I'll ground wonder. where it's not connected. Yeah. Right, so that would be the that would be the open and one. Think, so this should go in there like this. So this then, then basically we're left with this or this. So, hmm, interesting. Well, okay. I can try it out on a, I can try it out on a two. Like I said, uh, the, the computer that the person I got this from, um, they were work. It was a color computer two that they were working with, so I'd have to. Uh, I do got a couple of color computer twos here, but I don't have any screen to hook up to them right now. So we should we should Discord this because we can figure this yeah. out. I am a keyboard guy, so right. No, no, I agree. <laughs> let's, let's take it. Out, you know, let's take it to Discord and fix it sometime. Okay. Because you are getting characters. Most of it's working. It's just something's in the wrong. Right. Order, something's so. right. quite. Turn so, it the other way. There's or, a solution here. There is there is one. We just haven't found it. We weren't going to find it in five minutes. So right. it's a cocoa. We'll take ten. <laughs> yes, it's it's a. Cocoa I think we call topic. asparagus on that and go on to the next one. Cool. I get to put an asparagus turn. Oh, Eric, can ah! also, maybe this key cable is for a different revision of the keyboard. But I thought all maybe. the keyboards were compatible. They're right? all the same. The cocoa is yeah. the same, but the HJL number jack, you know. Uh, well, that's what we just need to uh, uh, trace out with the uh, way a continuity tester. Yep. And also probably could do it empirically by when you press the key, seeing what it gives you, and then figure out what... Where it is in the matrix, exactly. Yeah, what matrix it's hitting, and then going, hmm. Oh, yeah, that, that would be like, right in the service manual, no problem. That looks like a Canadian Go-Go-3 as well. It is. Oh, yeah. Coin maybe proof. That's the, maybe that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's the problem. The uh, yeah, they forgot to convert it between metric and imperial. It's to keep the beavers well, out. Well, the can the Canadian, the Canadian cocoa has more A, more A's in it. Yeah, yeah, more A's. <laughs> Instead of badger. But uh, yeah, I should be able to get this here going though. But that this it's definitely was the cable for it because you can see the the name that name Touchstone was uh was on the ad and everything too. So. All right, all right. Um, I don't know if I really have anything else to uh, 
to share with you guys. Um, let's see here. Let me look to take a quick gander. I have some software I could show, but uh, we can save that for we can save that for another time. So uh, I don't know. I think the show's running short, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're at two know. and a half, two and three quarter hours. Yeah, plenty <laughs> of time. Oh, so on. we're still so we're still short. They're only about halfway there, right? So while he gets stuff out in the subject keyboards, if you want to know what fifteen keyboards weigh, the boards. It's three and a half pounds. Let's see here. Is there anything interesting in this box that I could share with you guys that might be of uh, of interest there? Oh, there's this one here and this. This might be kind of fun. What's, uh, what's down here? Oh, yeah, here. There's This is a book that I thought was kind of two books that I found that were kind of interesting. I was going to get your guys's input on. Yeah, let me let me show these real quick here. I wanted to ask about about this one here. Maybe this one might be one that Curtis has seen before. Let that me switch my that camera again. Unit a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Let's see here. Which one do I want? This. Okay. First of all, um, Donkey King. Uh, Tom Mix. Yep. I have that so, exact same little. Orange manual on mine too. With, yep. So that was kind of a, I I guess I just you know I know, I know some of this is all available on the archive and stuff like that, but it's still kind of neat to have the original uh, packaging or, um, whoops, get my, there we go, um, uh, the original media and the uh, little manuals that came with it. Um, there's this one here. Let me get out of the bag because the the bag. This is not the original bag because uh, I don't think Ziploc brand bags were there. Uh, Space Shuttle by Tom Mix. Now it's got the later style labels too, where they have the little picture of the computer on it. Yeah. So, um, but it says for the color computer and the uh, TDP 100. So that was kind of a fun little one there. Is that the one that did we play this here? Or who did? No. Oh, no. I think, uh, wasn't it? Um, uh, Sibling rivalry? Did they uh, did they do this one on there? They did the Atari twenty six hundred version of Space Shuttle, I believe. Not oh, uh, did they? The Coco okay. one. Okay. Unless I'm remembering wrong. Space Shuttle? Oh, okay. Yep, Space Shuttle. I remember. Yeah, Moon they had a full shuttle. page ad for that from Tom Mix back in early eighty three. I think it was. Okay. Okay, I was thinking like Space Shuttle for the uh, Atari, which was a uh, Activision title. Yeah. yeah. So uh, here's uh, here's one book I was going to show you guys here. Here's no, I've not seen that one. Color Computer Games Master. Wait a minute. Uh, the guy who has the Color Computer Games website has never seen that book. No, nope, never <laughs> even heard of it. No. That's a later, yeah. too, because it's got a Cocoa 2 in the cover, not a Cocoa 1. As uh, Keith uh, Brain and Stephen, Stephen Brain. I don't know if they're brothers. Any relation to Jim? Uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe I should, I should reach out and ask him. I haven't had a chance to really look through it too much to kind of Who's see. The they, I did. Hayden? Um, uh, Hayden? Yeah, Hayden. Yep, Hayden. Yeah. Um, it's in really good shape too. Um, 1983 was the publishing uh, date on it. Um, it just says here the the main aim of this book is to teach you how to set about writing your own game programs for the TRS-80 color computer. Uh, it is not another list of old hat rehashes of usual games, but a structured approach 
to the design and construction of your own novel computer games. So, now, does it teach basic programming, or is it a machine language programming, or a mixture of both? Or um, it looks to be mostly basic, from what I've just by flipping through the pages here. It looks like it's a. Uh, it looks like yeah, it's it all basic. Uh, all basic. Yep. Was that a dragon in there? Yeah, I kind of thought that too. The one graphic near the end of the book, I think. Yeah, we'll never see it again. Right. <laughs> I thought this was kind of an interesting. Uh, the Dalek? Uh, a Dalek. <laughs> I had an Android figure that's sick with a thermometer in its mouth. <laughs> so, but anyway, yeah, there was that game there, or this book here, sorry. And then the, this is the one here, Curtis. I was curious if you'd seen this one here. This is actually a hardcover book. 6809. I have seen it. I don't have it, but I have seen this one before, yes. Okay. Now, this one I don't think is necessarily color computer specific. It's more processor no. specific. So, yeah. But, it reminds uh, me of the cover of the Rodney Zacks. Uh, is that the guy who did yeah, one, the one of the other guys that did the 69? They had the same like yeah. chip coming out at you, I think. Cybex. Yeah, the Zacks one. Mm -hmm. Is that Cybex? Is it published for this one? Um, uh, you can't quite see it there. Borrow. Grand, oh no, uh, Granda, Grand, Granada, Granada, Granada Publishing. Sorry, yep, thank you. Okay. Not, not very yeah, good with the word there. So it does look like Cybex. So that's actually looking in the back there. It mentions the Coco and the Dragon specifically, though. Yep, uh, at the heart of the Dragon TRS eighty color computer and other computer systems, the sixty eight hundred nine processor performs up to a million operations every second. The speed of the uh, uh, of inter uh, oh. interpreted basic, however, is measured in mere hundreds of actions per second. Machine code is the only way you can that you, the programmer, can harness the full power of the machine. It mentions on the last paragraph there, it's actually got routines specifically for doing like, graphics on a dragon. Uh, perhaps the most important for dragon owners, the software is provided to put text on a high-resolution screen with a fully redefinable character set. So that's not just a generic 6 and 9 book, then that actually yep. is covering like the VDG and stuff. Yep. Okay. Very good. Any picture? Yeah, I, haven't had a chance, I, I had a chance to really look through this one too, uh, too closely. Six bit sound, yeah, that's definitely Coco and Dragon oriented. That's Coco. Although that character set it just showed is different. Well, I did say that one of the programs in there was a custom one. So, all right. Yeah. Uh, there's something about some joystick. Yeah, VDG. Sam VDG. This is definitely oriented towards a Coco and a Dragon specifically. Gimmicks manufacturer a sixty eight. Yeah, Gimmicks is uh you know made the seven thousand dollars six eight zero nine based systems. The high end stuff. So it's covering uh, the you know uh, stuff other than the Coco and the Dragon, but it definitely seems to be more oriented towards those two. Could they make a bigger stamp on there that it's discarded? <laughs> <laughs> Look at it. Well, normally when they got discarded like this, they usually end up getting destroyed. I think. Well, this was from a library. Yep. Sometimes libraries would sell the discarded. Yeah, friends of the library sales. 
Yeah. yeah. Here, here, depending, they'll do that or they'll tear the cover off first to indicate that it's supposed to be destroyed and then it's supposed to be wrecked or returned to the publisher. I think they do that in the uh, for the stores. Oh, right. Yeah. Not oh. the library. You're right. Oh, yeah. I remember. Uh, yeah. Like, like TV guides that have the covers ripped off of them. They wouldn't, they just have to send the covers back. Paper hasn't yeah. faded any, has it? No, it's in, it's in good, it's in relatively good shape. And I the like name it. of that library was Warwickshire or something. Is that in England? Or is that a place in the States somewhere? Oh, it's county, maybe. Okay. Whiskishishire. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, it just, it just say county, yeah, it says county library. Warwickshire sauce. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Yeah, there you go. I'd rather have some A1. You didn't see the HP. on that one. I don't know. Warwickshire sauce is probably a little bit sweeter than Worcestershire sauce. <laughs> but uh, no, I just thought I it was kind of never know. Kind of a neat, neat cover. I mean, it was the, the the color of the of the, the manual or the front of the cover. I thought was really cool. So. Anyway, that's all I got for you, gentlemen. Gentlemen, where? <laughs> alleged gentlemen. Who are, who are you allegedly addressing? I took creative <laughs> liberty, so. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but uh, thank you for letting me uh, sneak in there and share a few things with you guys between family events today. So appreciate cool, it. Thanks. Yeah, some cool stuff in there for sure. That replacement power supply one was really cool. Yeah, it was kind of interesting. And and uh, like I said, other than the number jack cable and these books and stuff like that, everything else was from the same from the same lot there. So uh, uh, it was actually uh, um, you guys remember the, the the tables from like the fifties and sixties? They had that thick metal aluminum band that kind of wrapped around the table, yeah. um, and, and the chairs were chrome. That's why the guy bought the storage unit and. Uh, there was some boxes under the table and uh, this stuff came from those boxes. So I think it's cool how you pulled these things together that originally weren't even together, you know, like the, the fan and the cocoa that it went to and that all should have by all rights just dissipated and went away. Well, I mean, so, yeah, he keep it on, man. You know, he, <laughs> keep yeah, he pulled things, things together. And, yeah, because he didn't know what he was looking at. He had no idea right, right. what he was looking mm -hmm. at. And, uh, I don't know if I would have recognized that. I mean, the cocoa cooler, I probably would have recognized, but the fact that those holes were part of that, I would probably wouldn't have known. Well, yeah, and then for for you uh, to think to ask about, I'm just saying, you know, keep doing that because uh, oh, <laughs> most right. of us wouldn't wouldn't have put all that together and got those extra pieces of the puzzle. Uh, Brian's so, a professional hoarder. <laughs> well, yeah, but we need that. We need the guy with the with the space and the bugs to do the hoarding properly. Is so that he doesn't this... have a problem? He's a professional. Yes, he's yeah, good at right. it. That's uh, that's a whole different thing. That's like the whole alcoholic thing. They aren't alcoholics; they're professionals. <laughs> <laughs> Professional tasters. <Right? laughs> Maybe next time, Mark B will play the um. The yeah, I'll up the... and make it look even more professional. Yeah, I'll uh, look look for that again. I thought that yeah, was. Uh, I'll have to look at that again. Look for it. By the way, Wayne Campbell says these <clears throat> these need to be scanned. Oh, the books. Yeah, 
Yep. Yeah, I'm going to... Yeah, I'm you're going to need one of those fancy... You don't have to break the back of the book to scan it, scanners. Do you have one? Scanner. Can we get you one? Yeah. Or what is... I, I, have, I have one. Okay. Oh. Well, I might have to work with you, too. I do have uh, one that's coming my way uh, to use for a short while um, uh, after the first of the year. Um, and so I'll, I'll give that one a go and see how, how well it works. But if I have to return it before I uh, get the uh, opportunity to get them all done, uh, Mark, maybe I'll... Uh, I'll by the way, uh, Kieran in the chat is saying that that uh, Granada is actually uh, is a publishing company in the UK, so that probably came from the UK. Oh, okay. Very good. I do have that Donkey King cassette. It's printed in blue and red dot matrix, but I don't have the book. I just have the cassette. Yeah. I have the little booklet, and I have the newer style label, so it's a yellow one with the red text and the little picture of the computer. That's the version I've got, the original. Yeah, this, so is, just dot, this is just dot matrix printed. And then there's not no label on the back at all. It's, it's blank. Yeah. Well, when Tomix first started, like they were really like homebrew. Like it was all basic stuff. There wasn't any machine mm -hmm. language, anything. So they they grew rather fast, rather quickly, and you know, spiced up. Then they had those plastic sleeve jackets with the discs and the manual on each side. And, you know, they got quite professional later on. Actually, so the that Grand Rapids, Rapids, Michigan. Is already on the color computer archive. Of what? Uh, 6809 machine code programming from David Barrow. Cool. Oh, nice. Hey, that's okay. one thing you don't have to scan then. Yep. Sweet. <laughs> but, uh, well, yeah, I mean, it, it was interesting. They, they used a lot of uh, dot matrix, uh, like the, on the, on the cocoa cooler here that I was showing that label, mm -hmm. I mean, other than it being old, um, it's only just a real thin one, but it was printed on dot matrix as well. And so it, you know, just that dot pattern but, just kind of makes it a little bit harder to I see. I think we could point out the uh, Jason's label <laughs> as being printed on the Star Micronics color dot matrix printer because that was the one that was available at that time mm -hmm. for a low-budget company to print them with. Yeah, because the Epson FX80 or MX80 or whatever the first one was, I can't remember, came out. That cost too much. Yeah, the Star printer was kind of cheap, and it did all the colors, and that that is how that had to have been made. It even has an address in Grand Rapids, Michigan. My yep. lighting is terrible, I see. <laughs> but yeah, it has a it has a grant. I, I I guess they were in Michigan, but Grand Rapids, Michigan. Yeah, they were in Grand Donkey Rapids. King and, Donkey King printed in red, but uh, and right now, if you were him, we would hear <clears throat> going in the background as you told us. Oh yeah, <laughs> just it'd be like three D printing now. I had uh, panic. I'm sorry, I missed the statement. What? What was the dual print, the dual color printer that was used for that? Did somebody say? Well, the old Star Micronics uh, color dot matrix printer was like the first really okay. super cheap color dot matrix. And if you overstruck it, you could do really pretty cool graphics. <laughs> Just okay. print the same page. Yeah, I, only had the, <laughs> yeah, I only had the uh, line printer seven. Yeah, I had the CGP220, the inkjet that Canon made and then Tandy sold that also did color too, which was a lot quieter, but it was also a hell of a lot slower. And that was actually made by Canon. Yeah. Hmm. I had a Panasonic color printer that had the wide ribbon. And I yeah, the three colors, on, uh, it's the three bands. The oh, yeah, yeah, they colors. got really nice after a while, didn't they? <laughs> I've been looking yeah, for my a... cousin here, uh, Eugene, he had a Star Micronics color one too. I can't remember the model name of it off the top of my head for some stupid reason. But there was special print dump software you could buy for stuff for doing, you know, full color graphic dumps of a 
game screen or something? I'll tell you what you couldn't do with the color ribbon is put uh, WD-40 on it because it bleed. Oh, yeah, all the colors would bleed together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that wouldn't work so well, would mm -mm. it? Only if you wanted a black or dark brown ribbon. <laughs> Which you had well, I remember he used it. to swap out because if he was doing like a term report or something, he'd swap the right. black one because doing it in color, it actually he had updated three times to well, because do all the I'd colors like combined. Do... It would just wasted the ink, so he just swapped the ribbon out and put in the black one to do his report. Switch it I, like, I like to do funky graphics, so at the end of the ribbon's life, it was more valuable because you could do overstrike printing without bleeding out the paper, so you could get multi-layers of different saturations of color by just printing the same image seven times on the same page. On my uh, DMP-110, I used to use uh, triplicate, you know, carbon, and then you'd never run out of ink. Oh, right. <laughs> but no, you could get some That's really artsy stuff with, with some of this old print technology. Even a black and white printer, you could use a dry ribbon and print the page four times in different color saturations with filters, and you get a nice, you know, multi. I'll, I'll show sometime. I've got some examples. Cool. Yeah, well, thanks, thanks, Ryan, for popping by and showing all this that. And I know you've got a lot of other stuff to show over the next couple months. So, mm -hmm. yep. If you More guys ever ever went uh, dumpster diving, you could find <clears> a carbon <throat> paper, you know, in a dumpster in a big box, brand new. You know, people dumped it, or if they used it, they they also could use uh, only part of it and throw away the the two other parts. And um, I I got a lot of that in the back in the day. Yeah, free free ink, you know. Right, ready for news? Yep. When you want the latest in TRS eighty, Tandy, Dragon, MC ten, and all of their hardware cousins, no matter what it takes, or where news breaks. From around the world to your nation. The Coco Nation News with L. Curtis Boyle. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Tier City Retro Programming put up a couple videos this week. Uh, one was going through and showing how his boot tape for Tales of Suburbia is going to work. And um, this is a multi-part basic game. We've covered it numerous times on the show before, but he's actually set it up for tape because that's what he had back in the day, which does make things a little bit complicated because you can wander between the different scenes that the different programs run. And then you have to remember where to rewind the tape to get the next part that you need, depending on how you go through things. So I suggest maybe you should make a disc version too. But you go check out his progress on there and kind of his little demonstration of how it works on his channel. And then he had another one here, which is rather interesting. We took a bit of a break. He said going weird Coco errors. And I took a look at the three errors that he's actually getting here. And they're basically all based on keywords and the fact that basic will let you run a keyword and a variable name together. So if you use longer variable names, even though Microsoft basic on the Coco only takes the first two characters, ignores everything past it. But some people will put in longer names. As long as the first two characters are unique, it'll work. Uh, just to make the program a bit more descriptive so they know that, you know, this variable is the X coward or something like that. But we, he was hitting problems with was using some reserved basic keywords. Like he had one he wanted to call a uh, variable note. 
So put note equals well, whatever. And it comes out as negative one. Well, it's because it's trying to do not. And he's just, you know, superficial type thing. And he had a couple of those. So I responded to him. I know he's been having problems getting his comments, be able to read. And I've had problems on mine too. Or, you know, it'll say, yeah, you got four comments on your uh, YouTube thing here. And I can only see two of them. So I don't know what's going on. I've hit that too. But uh, yeah, if you want to see some interesting little quirks, and I think, you know, Alan Huffman on his basic series on his blog has probably covered some of this in the past before. But just, you know, be careful when you're doing these long variable names. It does make the code more readable, but, you know, make sure you don't choose ones that start with the same characters as a basic keyword because it'll interpret it as a basic keyword and not what you're expecting, which is exactly what he hit. Next up, uh, Coco Town, and this is kind of uh, funny how fast his channel has grown. Of course, he's been working on his... Uh, series of getting the uh, old moon patrol clone that he started as a teenager and getting it finished and then he's you know switched over to fix bugs and maim while he was at it so this one here is kind of just of a reintroduction of his channel uh he put this as a 1k sub bonus so he had a, a 1000 subscribers and as the beginning of the week when he posted this he had 1600 and some odd subscribers now he's over 1.84k already so he gained another 200 in the last week alone um, but he's goes through, he gives a bunch of shout outs to the Coca Nation show and, and other people in the Coca community near the end that have like helped him on his journey. Um, but basically it's a big thank you for everybody joining in and kind of explaining what the channel is and what it does, et cetera. So if you guys are new to his stuff or have not had a chance to catch up with you want a quick little summary, uh, this is a perfect video for it. And I, I, I would suggest you join his channel, especially if you want to learn assembly language programming on the Coco specifically. And speaking of 609 assembly language, George Jansen's got lesson number four. And uh, this is writing to the high-res text screens on a Coco 3. So this series he's doing right now is very Coco 3 specific, which is good because we've got a ton of uh, additional ones like Steve York and um, George's original series were all based on Coco 1 and 2. And there's way more books on Coco 1 and 2 programming, like the one Brian just showed, for example. There's not as many on the Coco 3. There's the Tepold books, and then there's like Poke Peaks and Execs, and that's pretty well it. So the previous episodes of his series, he's been showing you how to do high-res text and attributes and things like that for underlying, changing the foreground, background colors, blinking, et cetera. But he's been doing it through basic ROM calls. So basically, you know, you set up a string, you send it to basic and tell basic to print. Now he's showing you how to do it at the raw level. Like how do you map in the actual high-res text screen? Because it's normally outside of basics uh, purvey. And then also how exactly the bytes on the screen work themselves. <clears throat> and then one little screenshot I'm showing here right now kind of shows you how the attribute byte works. Because every character on the screen, unless you tell the gimme I don't want attributes at all, because you can shut them off, it's going to take two characters per byte. One's the actual, I shouldn't say ASCII, it's not quite ASCII, but the gimme's internal 128 character set. You just pick which one you want to display, whatever symbol that is. And then the other byte is the attribute byte. And here it actually explains, you know, you've got your uh, character and attribute basically alternating every second byte. So it's two bytes per character. And the attribute byte, all eight bits are defined, three for the foreground color, three for the background <clears> color, <throat> one for blink, one for underline. So he goes into showing exactly how to do this stuff writing directly as opposed to going through the ROM calls. And he'll be extending on to that even further. And then he'll be getting the actual graphic stuff. If you got one byte off, boy, that would be spectacular. Oh, yeah, I've done that. <laughs> and uh, as usual, if you go to his channel on our Discord, he does have the source code that you can download to save yourself a typing. Now he recommends something, and I agree with this, is that you should at least try to type them in yourself um, because A, it sticks in the human brain better. If you write something down or you type something in, it will stick better than just reading it. 
And that's just a proven fact. And it, it definitely, I can attest to that myself personally. Um, but also, if you do some typing mistakes, you might learn more about how the code works by figuring out what your mistake was and figure out what it, the code was doing the way you typed it in versus what it's supposed to. And you kind of learn better from that, too, because you can also start to recognize when a mistake happens and where to look. So I highly recommend that as well. So, But for those of you who don't have that much free time, and I understand quite a few people don't these days, that you can just download them examples and you can you know change some of the parts of the source and try your own thing on it. But he goes through and he, he kind of comes up with this little like menu system. So we can find a screenshot of it here. So something like this. So he tells you how to do the attributes, how to locate on the screen, and then how to write it all out directly to the screen memory. And this one, I'm just going to shut up and mute this and I'll let Henry explain what this video is about. Assuming he's still on the call and still awake. Oh, did he drop oh off? that's right. I'm sorry. Oh. You wanted me to speak instead of that to speak. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Now, yeah. if you can sync so, your lip, your speech with the lips on your video here. That no, no, I'm sorry. Really I, thought, I was sitting here as I'm watching my own wonderful videography there, um, which actually I, I, I hate to say it, but I really don't think it's that bad. Um, no, all I'm doing here is I'm working on Bias. creating a D-pad. And the idea being that it's really simple electronically you know, to do this because all you've got are like it shows there a couple of potentiometers and the voltage reference is being pulled from the wiper of the potentiometers. So theoretically, all I need to do is take a couple of resistors and a couple of switches, pull off the middle. And if everything works according to plan, Bob's your uncle. I've got a <clears> D-pad <throat> with different axes. I've got a couple questions to ask and they're like, wait a minute, which axis goes to what pen and what direction is what? And yeah, and some soldering montage and whatnot. So yeah, it's not going to be it's not going to finish in this one though. The next one, hopefully, I'll finish it. Yeah, I, I like how you you covered your bases there and said part one of question mark. <laughs> mm -hmm. Now, is this something you did yourself back in the day as well, or is this something you decided to do just since you've been back into the cocoa stuff? It's something that I wanted to do back when I was a kid. Um, especially once I discovered that all it was was some pots. Um, I taught myself electronics when I was 12. So still had the cocoa around at the age of 12, had gotten that when I was like six. So was looking, you know, I just wanted to, and I never did get around to it as a kid. So yeah, just playing with it now. Okay. Um, so if people want to follow this uh, ongoing project, they can go to The Break Key is the name of your YouTube channel. And uh, this is your third video, I think, now? Yep, my third video. Did you start the channel? Mm -hmm. uh, just out of curiosity, I mean, we're going to have you on as a guest probably on the well, on, on January 20th here, you know, barring any last-minute changes and schedules for either of us. Um, do you have any other long-term plans of what you're going to be covering after the D-pad, or do you just kind of wing it week to week? Right now, I'm just winging it. Um, I have ideas of what I want to do. I just haven't really put everything together yet. I've got I've got a vacation from work coming up this week, so I'm going to spend some time seeing, you know, what what direction it's going to go. I'm tending more towards um, like raw hardware and low level stuff. These are areas that I didn't get to play around with when I was a kid. Um, I taught myself the uh, the machine language, but never really played, never really dove into it. So okay, yeah, okay, cool. So look forward to interviewing you on, on January 20th. I'll try to send you some uh, 
questions ahead of time because there's a few standard ones we do. And then I usually, after talking with you a little bit or watching some of your videos, I'll kind of give some other questions there. But uh, if you want to just fire me a private message in, in Discord and I'll get your email, we can go back and forth okay. or just stay on the Discord. Oh, give you some uh, suggestions for questions, et cetera. All right. Awesome. And and by the way, welcome to the show. This is your first time on the actual show. You've been on the game on Challenge a couple times, but yeah, this is my first time on since Coco Nation. Several years ago, I was on with Stevie when it was uh, Coco Talk. Oh, I forgot about that. You didn't have a Wii U channel back then, or did you have a different no. one? No, I just okay. started it. Okay, I've been threatening myself to do that for a while. So, <laughs> okay. Next up, Simon Jonasson has got a couple of updates that he posted this week on his online graphics editor. This is the uh, web-based uh, graphics editor that covers all the Coco 1 and 2 and Dragon P-Mode style modes. Um, and he's been adding more and more to it as he goes. So here he's working on aspect ratios uh, because uh, some of the modes have you know twice as many pixels going across as they do vertically ratio-wise than you know the, on the physical same size screen so say p mode 4 you have 256 pixels across p mode 3 you have 128 and the vertical res between those two is exactly the same so if you want a circle if you don't adjust for that ratio then it's going to draw an oval instead so he's actually just showing here you can see he's clicked the little uh circle thing he's got a filled circle option there as well and you know drawing it you drag out the uh size of the shape that you want to do and then a little bit earlier on he was showing an actual little bit of a video here uh, where he's showing a little bit of the tool selections and then, you know, kind of the drag and draw style of thing as well. Uh, but basically, in this case, he's also showing the eyedropper tool, which will basically identify, you know, what color you you get the pixel or the uh, mouse cursor over. And it has the two and the four color modes as we've we've covered before here. And if you click on the foreground background colors, you can actually, you know, it does a little drop box showing you the colors you can pick from in the current uh, graphics mode you're in and which color set you're in. So. so good progress being made in that. And the nice thing is you can load in your own images, you know, from your local drive, or you can create them on the website and then save them on your local drive. And then you can import them onto an actual Cocoa and stuff. So you can actually have a modern graphics tool, basically, to do all your drawing. Paint shop Cocoa. And then next up, we got a, a few updates from uh, Thomas Cherry, who was working on porting uh, the FujiNet to the Coco. So this one in particular here is showing the Wi-Fi selection screen, uh, which is giving the MAC address and a few other things here. And then, you know, kind of going through some of the other details about its whole setup. And then another version he did here is a bit of a video. And this one shows his user interface design, which he said is rather challenging to cram it onto a 32-column screen. Uh, but it, basically, the Clicko Vision had the same issue. So, and of course, if it goes to the Coco Three, it'll have options for forty and eighty column. So here he's showing us host slots. I'm just mentioning this for the audio listeners. And he picked a particular server, and then you can pick the files that are available on that server. And he's using some, you know, Errata Online and Fujinet.com, etc. Muted here. I don't think he's got any speech in here. So, no, just his wife and kids in the background. <laughs> just like the rest of us with cats. Yeah. <laughs> so he's got a little like a, a menu on the bottom that adapts to what you're doing, and 
Obviously, you can't fit too much in a 32 by 16 screen, but I think he's done a really good job fitting stuff as it is because uh, URLs can get pretty long. And then the other one he had, and uh, this is the one he just posted uh, recently in the last day, uh, a show info config screen, which uh, shows the current Fujinet adapter configuration, which gives you a bit more information like your IP address, your net mask and DNS server, and et cetera, et cetera. So uh, this will be good for debugging and stuff and also to set up if you want to you know, switch between networks, et cetera. So a lot of progress in short time for that, which is cool because he, he originally wanted to get the Cocoa version of this project because he's done it before on the Atari 8-bits and a bunch of others you know, years ago, and then nobody really, you know, came up to help him. So he just said, screw it, I'm doing it myself. And he's made a lot of progress in the last uh, week and a half, two weeks. So thumbs up to Tom. And then we got a couple updates here from Julian Brown on his uh, Dragon stuff. So the first one here is a picture and an update on his PAL daughter board. There's still a few things to work out. Um, I'll just read his thing here uh, on the Dragon Group Facebook because uh, some of our audio listeners will be seeing this. He says, slight technical hitch. I forgot that the new main board has the relay moved to the left or for clearance. Not so much here. Easily fixed, though. The PAL board, over twice the size of the NTSC board, just to add some extra lines in the frame. And somehow through my upscaler is seeing, though my upscaler is seeing NTSC timing, not good, but with the modulator removed, how stunningly clear and crisp is the video signal. So other than the pictures of the little daughter board itself, you can see here, it's only coming out as black and white, but that's a nice clear signal. If you want to do some word processing on a dragon, maybe don't go any further than this. Fire up Telewriter or VIP or, you know, some of the other dragon-based ones. I don't remember the names of them off the top of my head, but nice, nice clean signal. And then we kind of mentioned this a little bit earlier on the show here. Um, he says, it couldn't resist a tiny bit more tinkering. Pretty much complete now with the optional serial single or dual uh, AY sound chip. So this is his Dragon 32 replication uh, version 3 motherboard. And this is where he starts using more modern parts. You can see how empty the board has got compared to the regular Dragon board. But as he mentions here, it's got the optional serial port. Uh, so you can actually, I got a hardware serial port like the Dragon 64 had. Uh, or the RS232 pack and the Coco would have added. Uh, but he's also got the option for single or dual AY sound chips on this board as well. So you can do three voice on each chip plus a noise channel, or you can combine the two and actually get six voice channels and two noise generators. I don't know if he has the option or if it's set up that one goes to the left speaker and one goes to right, or if that's just all combined into one single one. But technically, if he has it you know, set up right or even has some way of programmatically uh, combining the two onto a single mono output signal, or if he lets you split them on left and right, you could do stereo on this. So I'll have to ask him about that. I don't know if he's in the chat today. I didn't get a chance to check. But uh, I'll just show you a little bit of a zoom up of the board here. We can see like uh, how much empty space is compared to the old, because now he's using like more modern RAM. And basically the only older chips left are like the 6809, which can be a 639 as well type thing, but you'll see a lot of square chips here, not not so many rectangular ones. That's my uh, ex hardware expertise coming through on those descriptions there. But don't yeah, looking the, forward. Go ahead. Don't forget the doof the the, the doflinky and what you call it. Yeah. <clears throat> but this this is kind of what we were hinting at earlier, talking with Bob and and talking about Pedro's board for the Coco Three, where he's you know, he does have some plans to take this above and beyond what the Coco 3 did. And that's what Julian is now doing because he basically got the replicate motherboard working. 
And now he's adding features that weren't standard on the Dragon 32. 256K RAM support on the special SAM replacement that Karen's been working on. Um, adding in the dual AY sound chips that weren't on any of the Dragons originally. And, and the only place in the Coco world that ever showed up as a default was a Deluxe Coco, which never got released. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to see where he's taking it. I'm really looking forward to see what Pedro's going to take on the uh, Coco 3. And that's all the news we have this week. It's a bit of a shorter one. I think people are getting ready for the holidays. Except for Jim Gary, who cranked up like five games in five days. The news is over already? He's a Cylon. I will mention, I'm apparently, uh, I should mention the Trash Talk live podcast is tonight in two and a half hours, just or two hours and 40 minutes. So if anybody wants to do that, that's going to be their year wrap-up one. I might pop onto that one myself. If the panel's too filled with people, I probably won't because they try to keep their show short to two hours. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. two hours. So do we. How, how can anyone know. do a two-hour show? I have no idea. That's impossible. <laughs> um, and then tomorrow, I just found out, I've, I've been invited, I guess, uh, Retro Computer Roundup, which I was literally just on a week ago, is actually doing kind of a year-end thing where they're having, you know, inviting all the guests to come by for a bit of a pop-by. So they've invited me to pop on it again. I don't know uh, if it's just going to be kind of a reminiscing of how the year went. Or if it's going to be, you know, getting details from people on certain things or not. So I'm not quite sure what to expect. That's tomorrow at 8 p.m. Eastern on, on YouTube. Are we going to have a year-end show e- that does that? Uh, Ron first, then David. Are we going to have a year-end show that does that? That goes over the year, you know? How well, we the person it? that used to do that for us unfortunately passed away. So um, who, who was that? That was Joyce, uh, Brian Joyce from Australia. He did a few of those uh, some reason, then you know he passed away. Was it last year or the year before? I can't remember now. Hmm. Brian Joyce, just months ago. A few yeah. months ago, he passed. Yeah. Yeah. Sad. Yeah, he did episode two hundred for us, I think. Yeah. Yeah, actually, Nick, Nick, uh, Nick's uh, website was actually hosted on Brian's thing. So once yeah, Brian right, passed away, but... Nick had to reorganize oh, and re get everything yeah. set up again. So. I wouldn't oh, mind that doing that, open. but that's that's a lot of work to pour through, you know, no, four hours have, a week minimum. <laughs> well, we could probably just, you know, reminisce about it for a, a section of the show. Well, I think I think we do that year. anyway. Like, a, you know, the first New Year one, we'll kind of reminisce the previous year. Maybe even have a game on challenge type thing where you can reminisce the previous year, too. Um, but, yeah, he did these nice, you know, packaged ones where he went through and picked clips from all the best stuff we did. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, like my cat that's barfing. a lot of work. Didn't you just? I, I look like you just tossed the cat uh, a few minutes ago. There, <laughs> he I did. did. I just, I just kind of toss him on the. He goes on the bed. She goes on the bed over there. <laughs> cats are com- cats are quite okay with being tossed if you toss them correctly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I just that's what I was oh. laughing about. I just I just saw the cat whoop like <laughs> they don't go for the full football throw, they don't like yeah, that. No, 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 don't do that. They yeah. you, you don't get a proper spin on them. <laughs> well, she's landed on a on a heating pad. Oh, oh. Uh. so because she's either on that you want to zoom that up there, uh Marcus, yeah. so you'll see everybody's <laughs> laughing about that's great. Oh God! I need a copy of that. I've seen that. <laughs> uh, the official so, IA cats book, and it's got a guy who's you know got a huge slingshot shot with a cat aimed straight at a brick wall. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's cruel. Cat. A little cruel. <laughs> I that like the cruel. one where they have the screw-on attachment that, that you, you tighten on the back end. <laughs> mm. Wow. 
I've uh, not heard of that before. Category. Yep, I am. It's a, it's a category. Category. Uh, I am very oh. anti-cat in a slingshot. I just want to make that statement now. Yeah, this well, this is a. Uh, is this an older book, Kevin? I'm imagining this is probably a little <laughs> too politically incorrect nowadays. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. So, would so not I recommend kind of, doing that. It, it looks <laughs> kind of farsightish almost. Is that yeah? That's what, just what I was thinking. I've had no, it's a different person on the cover. So. From 1980. Yeah, this is oh. what adults did in the 80s. So That's when the Cocoa One came kids. out. Yep. Cool. <laughs> James like Jones in the chat says, use a trebuchet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Get the back action. <laughs> Monty Python, Monty Python oh, wow. did that with cows, so why not? You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's your so I think we should do a quick check-in with Bob Emery. How are things going on your end? Yeah, we did. We we, we didn't. We did. Uh, we were a little short there for you. Well, the smoke <clears throat> must have cleared. It's like I don't. I don't see the fire department. All right, is my. Like, yeah, we can hear you. Last time you ran out of solder, didn't you? Last time I ran out of solder. I'm I'm pretty close this time again. Actually, <laughs> that's why I just be, I buy the big like yeah you need the big pound roll with the spool thing so you yeah I, I, I buy the big spools wait he yeah, can just go to Radio TV. Shack and get another one I like your sibling <laughs> rivalry shirt too by the way oh, yeah. buy buy a few rolls put them in a uh, a chip fryer and dunk the whole board in there in the molten salt <laughs> <laughs> that's not quite how a solder wave works but deep fried solder the table, it's style. it can yeah. work. <laughs> yeah, just uh, starting on the resistors here and making mm -hmm. progress. Yeah, looks the, like a board when you have all the sockets in. Looks irresistible. Yeah, the radio <laughs> the shack website futile. Are, are you planning on live streaming on your channel at some point there, Bob? Too maybe when you're getting near the end, or um, yeah, maybe so. I'll probably uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll do some tomorrow. I'm not very organized about that. Right. That's uh, that fits right in with this show. Yeah. Because I'm really well, curious if this latest revision of the board with those traces that are changed to more match the original Coco 3, if that's going to solve the Gimme X problem. Yeah, that same would be here. interesting. Yeah, because well, the other a... thing I was wondering about is uh after you build this and you're done, um, are you gonna put it in a PC case or something? Yeah, I've been thinking about a case, too. Um, <clears throat> I kind of got some ideas that I'm not going to go out on a limb just yet to say what is going to happen or isn't. Yeah. Plus, when you first joined us, I mean, you when you dug out your old Coco, it wasn't a PC case, wasn't it? Yeah, I still have that one. Uh, the motherboard is basically still out of it. That case is kind of empty. I'm debating if I want to go back into that huge case or into a smaller one or well if you want to build one of those uh, 16 slot multi-packs for david ladd there you might need the big case so yeah that that's true <laughs> sometimes you'll get a case that you want to use and it's yellowed then what uh, uh either either sunbright or or spray paint you'll cry overhaul uh-huh 
By the way, Rocky Hill is in the chat right now, and he says, hello again. That would be interesting if it did solve the issue, but I'm not sure that that is the issue concerning the traces. Yeah. Yeah. Halfway wondering if I could send the board to Gary and have them test it, the people who know how the thing works, you know? Oh, Gary Becker? Gary yeah. Ed. Or Ed. How many of these have you built in your sleep? <laughs> in my sleep? I don't know. <laughs> I, I lost count. He's sleeping. He doesn't remember. <laughs> I find that I leave more solder bridges in my sleep. I should mention, too, uh, it was posted in our Discord this past week that the uh, Mega Mini MPI uh, made an appearance on Ed's site. There were some finished units again. Some people received mm. some orders. So Ed's starting to spread out what he's you know, circling around and getting uh, output. Yeah, I periodically look at the site. I need to I should probably just try and order something to see if it'll show up. Ed, Ed's Can a good I guy. hop in a sec? Um. The differences in the motherboard on a two megahertz machine don't theoretically make a difference, but when you have a multi megahertz machine <laughs> emulating two megahertz in the gimme socket, maybe it does. Yeah, maybe. So, so it's worth the test. I appreciate you building all of this to see, because that will tell us something. Well, and I'm it, not just building these to test that. Well, I'm, I'm sure of that, but fun. you know, <laughs> just because it's it's a mountain, it's got to be clumb. <laughs> we'll do some science. We'll do some science while we're there. Yeah. And and Bob, if you do decide to stream doing some of this tomorrow, if you want to maybe announce it in the general channel or something, maybe a hour yeah. or two early, just so that people have time to gather up and join you in the chat. Absolutely. I won't because I don't understand hardware, so I'd just be sitting there like a moron. I will say not much that, different than uh, me doing the news, actually. Yeah. <laughs> You can actually see the difference in the traces on the boards. I don't know if it'll show up on camera here. Uh, or if I can even lift this board up out of the... Uh, Rocky also said here, uh, I'm leaning more towards tuning the variable cap, but it's definitely worth the test. Mm. Yeah, I would have to. I would like to see some sort of a procedure on how to tune that. So like even, especially right here in this area next to the chip, I've got like a couple of traces going diagonally and some, a few vias going this way. Nothing at all going vertically here, but on this board, and I know you probably can't even see these, but um, all the traces on this, if you compare it to a, a official Tandy motherboard, this looks, you know, all the north south traces as opposed to east west kind of just makes it look more official it doesn't even matter what's right it's what it used to be so if you're yeah. really splitting hairs maybe <laughs> who knows yeah all right i just look forward to playing on another brand new color computer hey get some get some new droid and jumping joey i can hey. <laughs> use it like the old man days. he knows He's a man who knows. Cleared. There's a man who knows who's signing his checks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we get paid in Vegemite. You're on. Yeah. You're on the free beta program for Nick's next game now. Uh. Oh no, beta. <laughs> I'm waiting for the uh, upgraded board, the one with uh, two meg 
built in on the motherboard and no RF modulator and a gimme X. USB. Bob, you must not be married. Well, that would be cool, but (laughs) I reckon two mega RAM on your standard, no RF modulator and a uh, a gimme X and a 6309. Yeah. As a standard board. Right, right. That'd be a Not great, enough, whatever right. you want to call it, Coco 3 Plus, 3B. Yeah, you could probably Actually, with a Gimme it. X, it's almost a Coco 4 because with the extra it video is. modes, extra speed, you're getting the close. <laughs> the Coco IV, then, is that better? <laughs> well, this Bob's doing that. I was going to ask uh, Ken. I don't think Sleepy's here anymore, is he? No, I think no, I don't think so. What? What? I'm awake. I'm awake. <laughs> <laughs> Liar. Um, <laughs> I'm just wondering, like, uh, with, with going with this, uh, you know, surprise last minute change to doing all Frogger games, do you have a favorite out of the ones you've tried so far that you could maybe uh, recommend I'll, people to start with? <laughs> 50 bucks is coming, uh, Ken. Jumping Joey, obviously. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Problem is, that's Australian money. So that's, you know, what, 50 like cents. $10. Yeah. <laughs> I think Australian money is worth a lot more than Canadian money. So. No, it's less. Yeah. It's less. Is it less? No, it's less. Yes. At oh. the moment, yeah. They're usually about five to ten cents around. lower than us. And actually, uh, the Canadian dollar has gone up over a cent in the last few days. So. Oh, geez, yeah, I just sold something, yeah. and it was like ninety bucks. Or... But yeah, it was just Nick, have you thought of bringing the Frogger down from the top, since you're upside down down there? <laughs> Frog invaders. There, there's a lost opportunity, Nick. Yeah. No, Ken. Like I, I know you played some of the Frogger games we have. I don't know how you played all of the. You know, oh, I haven't or played so. nearly all of them. But do you have a favorite of the ones you played so far? Just out of curiosity. An honest answer now. I I liked Froggy, the Spectral one that supported the speech sound pack. Yeah. I'd have I to say that overall, really that's good. probably is the closest or best one myself yeah. too. What does it actually have a frog's? Uh smash on a <laughs> I've never a played loop. it with the speech and sound pack so I have no idea what that does but I think it just talks if I remember correctly oh. player one or whatever it says we got I think you. if it's a speech sound pack it says <laughs> <laughs> so the frog is the one where wow well anyway of any of them we were the frog, yeah. was frog is the, the visually one. the best one I'd add actually today it actually looks better than jumping Joey Visually, because you used a lower res mode, but the sound is terrible and the controls are worse. Right. Jumping Joey is like good to great on graphic sound and gameplay. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen the frog. It would look like crap in Australia or England with the PAL because there's so much artifact color and there would just be a bunch yeah, of stripes well, running around. Thing, yeah. <laughs> you just have to use your NTSC Coco 3. Yeah. Yeah, well, it, it does do. look good. Like the logs roll in the water. I don't know of any other versions really, except for maybe more modern ones that do that. Like the arcade game didn't even do that. The, the the cars have windshield wipers going and exhaust going out of the back. And it's a very, very well done. It's got the later stages too. Like it's got the snake and the gators and everything else too. So Kevin looks like an alien. And uh, he looks like he's in Australia. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The frog, huh? Okay. Yeah, Atomic Software, wow. 1983. Came out the same time as Trapfall, if I remember, pretty close to it. Okay. Yeah, I, I do remember that. 
I did I did the upside down picture gag years ago. That's that's <laughs> are we we ready to put a fork in this one? Yes, go we on. are. Fork, okay, yeah. Eat before I go on this other show, if I do end up going on. This program is forked. This concludes another episode of The Coco Nation, the world's leading live interactive talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. For all things The Coco Nation, visit us on the web at thecoconation.com. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to show at thecoconation.com. The Coco Nation show would not exist without the community and its cast and crew. The Coco Nation theme song copyright 2022 D. Bruce Moore. Mixed, mastered, and produced by D. Bruce Moore. The Coco Nation is over. Join us on the Coco Discord server. Coco forever. <laughs> we are back. I thought we just okay. left. Well, well, that was the finish of the episode. So remember, no show next week. Uh, so we look forward to seeing you on December 30th. So that means Eastern time. The show next week will be our best one of the year since it won't be. Yeah, that'll be our top Probably, highlight yeah. reel. Actually, the whole the, the that actual show next week will be the top highlight reel because there'll be nothing on it. Mm. Exactly. And then the week after that, of course, is our interview with Doug Maston and Glenn Dahlgren about the Contras. So join us for that as well. Ooh, I, I, I'm I'm interested to hear that one because that's a whole uh, yeah, there's a bit of a whole thing, isn't? There's a bit of a background story to talk about on that one for sure. Yeah, because I think that was started by one person and finished by the other, and I think there was it was still a little buggy, I, if I remember correctly. So I'm, the two players is a little bit buggy. Yep. Yeah. So no I, I'm interested to hear that one. Yeah, Glenn will have to provide some of that detail because Doug was out of it by the time that that all happened. So. Okay. Well, and then Bob can give us an update on his his board and whether that actually. Happened. See if his solder has arrived. So we have one more show before the new year. Yep. Yep. Just, just, yeah. Just, yeah, just. Where's my button? All Push right. the button, Frank. So goodbye, See everybody. Merry Come Christmas. On. Sorry, See you in two weeks. Sorry, Happy Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry festivals.